0: Welcome to the Chelsea fancast, fuelled by Guinness, powered by Celery, the show that is most definitely barking at the blue moon. Now, uh, the last thing you want when you're in a run of bad form and low confidence is to come up against Man City. Don't be fooled by the players City had missing. Their squad depth and quality are far superior to Chelsea's, and with the league's best player, Chelsea reject, Kevin De Bruyne pulling the strings, boy, did they prove it. They might as well have dropped their shorts and showed Chelsea the full face of the blue moon. (laughs) Of course, Chelsea didn't help themselves. Heads dropped when they conceded two goals in a couple of minutes. They perhaps knew that the game was up. The midfield was non-existent. The defence vulnerable. uh, The attack clueless and wasteful. Too many players just didn't turn up. But there you go. And they just didn't put a shift in either, which is kind of worse. But anyway, it's time that some of these players take a long, hard look at themselves in the mirror and ask if they have what it takes to play for Chelsea. They're playing like a team that likes the smell of its own farts, but is stinking the place out. Stop believing the hype, start busting a gut, put everything on the line and work hard as a team. That is all we ask. And time is of the essence. Because if the rumours are to be believed... Performances like this mean that time is running out for Frank Lampard as manager of Chelsea. Now, my personal view is that that would be a mistake and a massive reversal on the stated strategy and plan of the club. Perhaps the board should grow a pair of balls and man up in much the same way as the players need to. And the title of this show is Blue Mooned, Chelsea fancast number 780. Now, on this show tonight, of course... Of course, we have. The wonderful Mr Jonathan Kidd. Oh, how lovely. How lovely to be called. Wonderful. Thank you. And may I congratulate you on the title? Check? Yeah, I kind of teed you up for that a little bit, didn't I? You know, so yeah, I was being a bit they, needy, really, wasn't I? Yeah, you were. Yeah, but I'm happy to uh, provide the uh, uh,
1: the necessary love for it. You're so
0: generous, J.K. Yeah,
1: yeah, absolutely. Thank you.
0: Um, you know, it was. Uh, it's clever. It's clever. You liked it. You liked yeah. it. I kind of yeah. thought that that's what they did. I mean, we will get into this, and I do need to introduce Dean, but I do they feel their, that they mooned us. They mooned us and and farted in our faces. They really did. They really yeah. did. But we shall we shall discuss the whys and the wherefores of that as we go on tonight. But before I do, um, I have to introduce uh, what, a, a a lad who has become a very important member of the Chelsea fancast family. He's he is so. Now, trusted due to his wonderful writings for us and editing of the website, he's got his own podcast. Uh, went to Mo King's Meadow, but he is so trusted now that I have actually given him access, JK, to the Chelsea Twitter account, Chelsea Fancast Twitter account, I should say.
1: Are you sure? I mean, that, that, those are the you know, yeah. those are the uh, yeah. that, that's, that's the gold medals, you know. I mean, what's going to happen yeah. now? Could all know? be downhill
0: from now, you know.
1: If, hey, well, you and I might be uh, sidelined, you well, might use. Might.
0: We might even get a Twitter ban. Yeah.
1: You never know. No, you never
0: know. (laughs) I don't know. Anyway, the lovely, wonderful, and a very big Happy New Year to Dean Mears.
2: Evening, cheers. even JK. Yeah, Chidge is still very much at the wheel, don't worry.
0: Chidge is at the wheel. If there's anything like Ollie, I'd be worried, mate. Although, of course, United seem to be doing better, seeing as they've had a bit of patience in their also equally uh, derided manager but there we go Um, now no Alex tonight I know that uh, Alex has a very large fan base of her own and uh, no bigger fan of Alex Churchill than me but sadly she's also a very busy lady and she was running around no doubt doing good things uh, and she wasn't able to make it back uh, from where she was so she's unable to join us tonight which is a great shame Sending big love to Alex, but no worries, these two are more than enough for the Chelsea fan cast, that is for sure. Now, on the show tonight, uh, we ask, with the plethora of problems resulting from the defeat to City, what are the solutions? And in part two, we ask, is Frank Lampard's job really in jeopardy? I'm, I'm sure most of you know that Liam, our, our mate actually, Liam, Liam Toomey, who writes for The Athletic, uh, did uh, I mean it? Was it seemed a bit harsh, really. The, the, the final whistle released a, an article saying that the board have been discussing Frank's future very seriously. Uh, incidentally, uh, Liam will be uh, on our preview show this Friday. Um, I mean, we want to grill him about what, what what about the article that he released. He's clearly got some interesting sources and information, uh, but let's hope things haven't moved on by then. Uh, As we've
1: discovered, Chidge, he uh, he does have his ear to the ground.
0: I trust and- Liam.
1: He's got he's no, no. got lots of things right over the last year and a half, which uh, um, we ought to you ought to pay attention to.
0: Well, I tell you what, I mean, you know this, you boys all know this. Um, I'll share it with you lot. Um, you know, we have a WhatsApp group, a Chelsea Fancast WhatsApp group. So everybody who's, you know, in the Chelsea Fancast family is on our WhatsApp group, including the journalists that we we have on regularly, uh, Ollie Harbord, uh, for example, and Liam. <clears throat> And we, do, we don't we do hold back on the WhatsApp group, as you can imagine, and we get a bit pissed off and irritated quite often with each other, which is kind of, you know, it's what mates can do. And we were having a right old go about something. I can't even remember what it was now, but it did involve Liam and it did involve journalism. It quite possibly involved the Athletic. And Liam came back with us with everything he had. And yeah. fair play to him. Particularly at me. Well, it was it you? I can't, I don't remember the details, honestly, mate, but we got him on the show as a right of reply, because that's what we do. So, you know, Liam, we trust Liam. Liam, Liam's, you know, he's a proper journalist. So there we go. Enough said. Now, um, as I was saying, in part two, we're going to ask, is Frank Lampard's job really in jeopardy? Um, If it is, whatever happened to building something? And if he does get the tin tack, has Roman Abramovich created a monster fan base in his own image? Uh, In part three, um, I'm looking forward to this, but for the saddest of reasons, really. But in part three... With the news of Tommy Doherty's passing, we look back at his legacy as a Chelsea manager and uh, the great Doherty's Diamonds team, which uh, Jonathan, of course, was very lucky enough to have seen uh, Doc's uh, entire managerial career at Chelsea. So it'll be interesting to hear what Jonathan has to say. And of course, in part four, uh, we wrap up with uh, your your wonderful emails. We have, I, I had to, well, I basically drew the line last night when I put all this together. A flood of them have come in since, so what I might do is do an extra segment on our Friday preview show if Jonathan doesn't mind, and uh we'll we'll go yep. through we'll go through them then because they're all very very good as they always are. The quality of the emails you sent in to us are far superior. the show that we'd give to you so (laughs) I will have to absolutely read him on Friday there we go now of course as ever don't forget you can listen to the show live every Monday at 7pm by going to Mixler which is mixlr.com forward slash Chelsea hyphen fancast where of course you can join in the chat by posting on the live chat page and you can also tweet at Chelsea fancast at any time you like just get in touch with us Twitter Facebook Instagram patreon if you're a patreon member discord if you're a discord member there's there are no excuses we are probably the easiest people in the world to track down for you to berate us about everything so there we go doesn't even have to be football related but after this uh, short break we will be very much football related as we reflect on a rather disappointing match against city we go um i mean to be really uh frank chaps uh i actually thought that frank i thought frank actually really fronted up in in the in the post-match presser um i mean the poor bloke he's clearly under a tremendous amount of pressure i mean you know I, i'm i wouldn't feel too sorry for him that that he gets paid a lot of money and he's he's an elite uh sportsman or was an elite sportsman he's doing an elite job and pressure comes with the territory um but nevertheless i thought he fronted up really really well and i thought he summarized the match as actually he quite often does i think i think he's pretty much you know when it comes to summarizing matches he's pretty honest with that i mean like all managers he'll play the game a bit and be economical with the truth in other areas but i thought he was pretty pretty accurate we conceded two poor goals in two minutes it knocked the stuffing out of us and the game was really gone then wasn't it jk
1: Yes, but I I, I do feel if he's so good at analysing what's going on, why doesn't he attempt to do something to change it? Perhaps he doesn't feel that the players he has at his uh, um, uh, on the bench are going to add anything particularly different. Um, I mean, his, we all thought at the very beginning, right, he's put Werner in the middle and he's got Zajic and he's got Pulisic, so this is going to be a really, really swift um up front three and um, they just struggled. Uh, And did they struggle because Werner is so off the pace or is it the style of play? I was trying to work out um, uh, if he's such an unbelievably quick player, is there a system that we're not playing that Frank could shift to, to allow Werner to to be able to show his gifts in the same way that Vardy, who's unbelievably swift, puts in sh- great shots from certain angles, but it seems to be there's a long boot down the pitch most of the time for him to deal with. So, um, uh, I mean, I have to say we started off pretty well, didn't we? We pressed yeah. really well. There was great. a lot of energy. Um, and we had that uh, free kick on the end of the area that, uh, the edge of the area. They were trying to work out what what to do, and Gary Neville revealed his ignorance by saying, "Oh, you thought they'd have worked it out on the training pitch, were not you?" Missing the fact that it was an indirect free kick, and therefore somebody had to touch it first, but that wasn't mentioned, of course. Um, but um, uh, I know I'm 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 slightly struggling, Chidge, to to um, to find a kind of pattern to talk about here because. Um, we seem to just fall into the same trap over the last few games. I mean, even the West Ham game where um, uh, where we, we won 3-0, I still thought that that we didn't play well at all. And we've gone into a patch where Frank just can't seem to do anything uh, to make it work. I thought, but other than the first 10 minutes, where I thought, oh, something's happening. They've got much more energy. They're passing the ball much more quickly. They're really pressing. And yet... Um, a, a quick, the the writing was on the wall when De Bruyne almost scored, yeah. and um, and from then on um, we just look unbelievably fragile, and it's not it's not a question I think of our heads going down. It's just a question of we were sort of found out, and then and then they start not playing. And you can see there is nobody pushing them, which I found that I, I find every time very difficult. And we've talked about this before, about they not being a leader. They're not being somebody knocking their heads together to say, come on, guys, what is going on? And um, uh, Dave being captain, unfortunately, was more under the cosh than anybody else. He seemed to be... Uh, he seemed to be suffering hugely. But having said that, and I don't think there was anybody in defence who was doing well. Um, what, I found, what I found particularly difficult was the way that Zuma kind of reverted to the kind of player that we'd seen a season and a half ago when he was under pressure, which is just not heading the ball out properly, just hitting the ball wherever, whenever and giving it away. And you think, no, this is the kind of pressure that you're going to get for the rest of the season. And in the Champions League, I mean, I'm despairing about what's going to happen at the moment if this team plays Atletico. I
0: I want to answer something that you've raised. I know, know, you know, Dean's half our age, which means he's far more conscientious about watching teams other than Chelsea. So I'm sure Dean watched Leipzig last year. But uh, on the Werner issue, he's shaking his head. I don't believe him. Um on the Werner issue J.K., I think you've got a, a, a really interesting point there. I I, I I you know I might not watch a lot of these games but I rely on reading people who know what they're talking about and I heard something interesting um this weekend which was that you know Werner is not what we would I mean it's an interesting point isn't it because you and I would class a traditional center forward as a proper number 9 a big hairy ass center forward you can hold the ball back hold the ball up and score what goals
1: it's Giroud, isn't it? Right.
0: Well, he's quite a throwback, isn't he? But, yeah. you know, the modern number nine is is nothing like the number nines that we grew up with. But I don't think that Werner is in... in he's not He's not the kind of guy who will get on the end of crosses. One could ask why Chelsea persists with putting balls into the box like that then. He's not the kind of guy who's going to play with his back towards the goal and play yeah. put other people in. He's more of an inside forward, which is why he got shoved out left. But, of course, I don't think he's a winger either because you don't want to waste Werner by tracking back. He'd be more of a problem defensively than than a help. What you want is for, to play between the lines with a player like Werner or you want to play him off another striker. who could, Like a Heskey, it was mentioned, funnily enough, I can't remember who it was. It might have been Cascarino, but somebody who can just nod those balls to him running onto them. He's that kind of a striker. He can play on the shoulder of the last man. Dean? Why I was saying, sorry to one take, Why I was saying perhaps the system isn't suiting him. Well, I I would three. agree with that. I want to get into that a lot more in a minute. But you you raised such an interesting point. I just I couldn't resist, JK.
1: Oh, I'm pleased that I was interested. You're irresistible. What can I've been, I say? i around a bit for ideas.
0: Yeah. There. Um, what do you what do you reckon, Dean, on the on 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 the use of Werner in that respect? And I think he's also horribly out of form. I mean, he's in a terrible terrible period of form. It happens with strikers occasionally.
2: Yeah, I mean, goal scorers are the ultimate confidence players, and yeah. when it's not going in for you, you know. Your heads thinking, 150 I mean, why it's not working.
0: He he even hit the corner flag, kicked the corner flag when trying to take a corner kick. I mean, you, when you when you, you know you know you, you that's the moment you walk off the pitch and say, so you know what,
2: it's just not working for me.
0: I mean, when that happens, I mean, goodness me.
2: Sorry, go yeah. on. I think you wanted to go off at that point.
0: Yeah, I bet he did. Yeah. Bless him.
2: So like you, I don't really watch anyone other than Chelsea, and I do read people that watch, you know, the games that they're talking about and. You know, Werner is someone that needs either to have somebody with him or to, you know, play on his own through the middle, but instead of crossing the ball to him, you're trying to play through, you know, on the shoulder of the defender. The fact that we're not trying either of those things is is baffling and we've signed these players and at the start of the season we were saying that, you know, Frank's got a plan and we're signing players that he's targeted. Then we're not using them in the positions that bring the best out of them, especially mm. Kai Havertz, and do you think if you look at switching to a three-four-one-two and having Havertz in a ten, and you know, have uh, sorry Werner with a striker with him, then that's something that could possibly utilise the best talents of of those players.
0: I mean, it's interesting, isn't it, Dean? Because I mean, I think I think one of the big problems with football fans, and you know, we are football fans, we're no different from everybody else. But I think one of the biggest problems is everybody has minusculely tiny short memories, and it's not so long ago that we were. In fact, we even had a podcast called TNT, their dynamite, because uh, Tammy and and Verna seemed to play so well together. And in in a sense, that's the classic little and large combination. So you know, I think maybe what you're saying, Dean, has has some weight to it. I think the biggest problem for me, actually, yesterday, if you were going to really identify, you know. It's a bit like a bridge too far, you know. It was, it was, it was, it was, it was Arnhem, mate. It was actually dumping us five miles away from the from the town. Ta- no, it was basically where was the midfield? The midfield yesterday, J.K. Well, not yesterday on Sun on Saturday. Were dread. It was it was Sunday actually, wasn't it? They were dreadful. I thought Kante had one of the worst games I've worst seen him play for us for a field. while. Yeah. Mount looked as though he was blowing out his ass, although as always with Mount, he tried. And Kovacic was as. You know, he seems to like one good game, one terrible game, one good game, one terrible game. But City absolutely rinsed us through the midfield.
1: But, Arthur, I think they were completely outclassed by the passing. Yeah. I don't really know what, you, what you're supposed to do in that instance. I just felt that, that Kante should have actually... Your, um, He still kept trying to play further forward and, uh, you know, obviously he gave the goal away with Sterling. i was surprised he didn't bring him down, actually, and get sent off. I,
0: I, uh, I wondered that, and I was screaming... Well, I mean, I would, wouldn't I? Screaming, take him out!
2: Fucking take
0: him! And then I realised that if he had done that, it'd have been off.
1: Yeah. So fair
0: play, in a sense.
1: Yeah, yeah. Um, but no, I, I, I just wonder that whether when we have played this um, 4-3-3, whether in fact he's worked better when he's been playing further back, as uh, as they keep going on about the position he played at Leicester, but then people come in and confound it by saying no, actually, and he used to he used to go much further forward on, with with Leicester but I think it's the fact that he is that we have a a memory of him in the title winning season when um he just appeared to be able to snuff out any attack by um just turning on the pace um from the cuz positionally he was in a better position to defend whereas now he always seems to be so far forward that he can't do it as much so uh, whether Frank has been asking him to play further forward It just seems to me that the system that Frank is employing um, has now been in some way found out. Now, whether this is because, as uh, Liam hinted, in actual fact, uh, there's a big problem um, behind the scenes um, and Frank is having great difficulty uh, communicating with them and they've lost faith in him. Which is what Liam was suggesting. I don't actually
0: know. I'm going um, to, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna, to, no, I'm not going to agree with that because I did read the article. And actually, I thought that the inference that, that Liam made was more that the players who are not, you know, if you like, in his first regular first 11, the ones who've been left out in the cold a bit, are the ones that have been agitating. And that's actually usual. No player likes doesn't you know every player doesn't like being well, left it still out.
1: Means there is agitation though, chief. Yeah, not but good.
0: not from the first eleven that he's getting. He's picking regularly. Well, it
1: depends who he influences. You know, well,
0: I, I did ask play. him. You know, I, you you're in the WhatsApp group. I asked yeah. him, and he was he didn't respond to that. No, interestingly he enough. He I'm going to no, bloody well ask him on I Friday, was, mate.
1: I thought that was very relevant.
0: The yeah. The fact
1: that he re- replied to it. No, I, it's a question. That, uh, I agree, but if you look, if Havertz doesn't play, has he got an influence? I don't know. At the moment, he doesn't seem to have he looks rather a lonely boy who's bought a dog. You know, you just think is he dealing with being, he's 21. Is he dealing with being in England during this, this ridiculous period where they don't get any approval from the crowd. You know, you no. wonder whether the, the, the crowd loving them huge, is something huge. that they're, they're, they're really hope that they're really, as, they aspire to when they come to a new club, the fact they're not getting any of that at all is like, it's like playing in a vacuum for them just emotionally. You wonder whether that's affecting him, and, I, I, and that's why, to an extent, I've got I've got sympathy for Havertz because uh, I think he's been played out of position. I think he's also had COVID, but I think he's um, uh, it's a, he's he's you know he's twenty one. He's not mature. He's he's um, he's in a different country. It, uh, he may be emotionally finding this really really tricky, and uh, and you never know. Werner may be the same. It may be affecting him so much that he's not that. that um, uh, I mean, you would know, Chid. You're the, uh, you're you're the. Um.
0: Yeah. Um, I, look, I do. I think. I think all of these. Well, the, th- mind, we'll, we'll, the mind. We'll, we'll, uh, I think. Um, we'll, I want to I want to push that back into the what are the problems and what are the solutions. But I do. I do agree with you wholeheartedly. Um, I think things did improve actually, Dean, in the second half. Um, and actually, I've said here, Jonathan again, as it as he often does, actually spot on. I said, you know, Gilmore and Hudson and I thought were really good they made a difference they brought some energy but it was too little too late um, so I
1: thought boy had a very good very Yeah
0: good I mean it was a good goal wasn't it but I mean very it was too little goal. too late and, and and I don't understand uh, Dino maybe we were spoiled we had we had man and well actually we used to moan at sarri always taking off uh, Kovacic didn't we for Barkley on 62 minutes so maybe we should shut the fuck up but I did think that when, when you're getting pummeled like we were and and we I mean they looked they looked like boys against men for a lot of that first half. They looked lost. Then a change was needed at half time, I felt. Uh, so I was surprised it took a while to make the change, but I thought the changes did actually have some sort of an impact. I mean, goodness me, Dean, we won the second half. We didn't get humped six nil, we have done in the past to this
2: lot. We still got no points though.
0: Nope, that's true, can't argue with that.
2: Yeah, what I would say is I felt that he would have made three changes at half-time and it was interesting that every single substitute was on the pitch at half-time, so they weren't in the dressing room. Even mm. goalkeeper was on the pitch warming up and clearly that shows that he felt that his players hadn't you know, implemented the game plan that he wanted to and he was right. Whether the game plan was right or not is another question. Do you think that's a fact as well, Dean, that they don't
1: implement it? He said that on several occasions, actually, hasn't he, at... Um... Uh, um, after the match in interviews. He's actually said they, they're not playing what I asked them to do. Well, I mean, he wanted that- them to
2: have the ball, he wanted them to press, and they did. They had the ball, they had more possession than City, but the pressing was half-assed, and every time they got the ball, it was so easy to get through us. Yes. The defence had no answer, and that was because the midfield was pushing to press too much.
0: Yeah, and, and there was too much of a gap. I think there was too much of a gap between midfield and, and, and the attack, and I think that's a problem. But Could that be the
1: case that then the defence press as well, more? and it becomes half Yeah, they
0: what they're supposed to do, JK, is you're supposed... Right, you're supposed to push. The defence is supposed yeah, to push indeed. up to you the halfway well. line. No, indeed, indeed. The, def- the midfield then pushes further up and the attack is where the press starts. What happens, though, and I think this is relevant and I think this could explain the half assed nature of it, when you play against a, C- a team like City, they've got some very quick players who can just skin you if you push too high and then you're caught. Or or they can pass through you because they're so good and equally you're caught high up the pitch. I tell you what, see it in my memory, and you'll remember this, Dean will remember this too, one of the most awful examples of how and when a high press goes, completely tits up when a team doesn't believe in it, was AVB's uh, very short tenure when we got humped 5-3 by Arsenal and they just hit us and caught us out. Same kind of idea, either speed or passing well, through us.
1: Well, Balls chipped over the top
0: every time in fact oh well they the were JT good T- enough to pass it and the they run. did if you remember and of course J- JT fell on his ass if you remember and yeah. but it yeah. but that that's what happens and I think the trouble with players players like to play the way they like to play they they get comfortable and they like their comfort zones and if they're asked to do things that they're not comfortable doing they are not going to do it a hundred percent because nobody likes to be made a fool of and you can really be made a fool of if you press too high and you get caught out
1: two years ago. Um, when we beat them, uh, we defended, didn't we, for most of the time, and and got them on the broke, on the on the broke, on the break. Uh, what did we do last year when we beat them? Did we do similar, or did we press them? Were we much? Was the team much better at pressing then? Was it a more cohesive
2: performance? Because we were fantastic last year against them. If it was you the same sort of holding, holding your positions, and you go breaking. We had thirty-five percent possession. I looked up on that game last season. Yes, I think what we miss is wingers like William who can defend.
0: Yeah, because neither Ziyech, Well, I mean, ZH I think
2: very poor.
0: Well, yeah, Ziyech is coming back after his first game well, being out again, for a while. But... Uh, hang on, hang on. He's coming back. You know, I mean, I would have not started him. Actually, I would have, I would have brought him on for maybe the last half an hour. But that aside, JK, I mean, match of the day highlighted it. Uh, Sky highlighted it. That jogging back, not I mean, that, that bit where he looked to see, yeah. oh, is he going to get bit? Oh, he is. Oh, well, then there's no point in me going. That's unforgivable, mate. And actually, Roy Keane, who does talk an awful lot of bollocks, actually sometimes talks a lot of sense. And I thought, what he said about that, he said, mate, he said, if you if you were in a title-winning, title-challenging team, every single one of your players has to put 100% in. And if one of your players, one of your teammates doesn't, the other teammates should dig him out for it and say that's not acceptable at this club. I hope somebody did. I have a feeling that they probably didn't. But that's when you miss somebody like JT. You, I mean, we said it the other week, didn't we? We want somebody who's, you know, who when the when the going gets tough, they start kicking the shit out of the opposition, and then they start kicking the shit out of their own teammates if so they don't it put at it the in.
1: Top of the show earlier, I yeah. said exactly the same. Exactly. Thing. Yeah, you're right. Somebody needs to come out to say. Guys, this really isn't acceptable. It mustn't mm. just be the manager.
0: I'd have, I'd have, you know, grab him by the throat in the dressing room, getting, you know, well, I wouldn't because I'm a bit weedy, but I'd probably shout loudly and swear. Teens <laughs> giggling away in the corner there. I don't blame him. Listen, we we we've kind of alluded to lots of problems here, and I, I, it'd be interesting to try and see if we've got. I mean, I, <laughs> the list could have been as long as my scripts, and everybody who knows my scripts will know that that's very long. But, I mean, tactics, selection, lack of quality, fatigue, mentality, attitude, lack of leadership. I mean, also, we should factor in the fact that actually City City played really, really, really well yesterday. And on their day, they are a, a phenomenally good side. And we caught them on a good day. Um, I don't know, JK, you alluded to it a minute ago. Um, I'm not sure if either of you read it. But I did an article for Football London last week, which was a, a kind of an honest appraisal of the squad as I see it uh the lovely Liam Hawks did something similar on Facebook and I I gleefully nicked a lot of points he made and added them to my own but you know it was really kind of a riposte to to Klopp and Guardiola saying we had the best squad in the league because I think that's absolutely bullshit and 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 you can go through each one and make a case for saying we have not got that quality in depth
1: but I think we earlier on in the season when we were uh, on our 14 game unbeaten run uh, i think you could actually say this is a pretty good squad you know when he when he played um uh the second team against Wren and they they played him off the park so uh, i i'm I, i'm more concerned with what has how has it deteriorated rather than saying the squad is poor because uh some of these team, some of these players, played out of their skin earlier I, I, in the I season. Don't, I
0: don't think. I don't think it's poor. I think we haven't got enough of the debway out yet. We know. Yeah,
1: we were. We've been prophesying well, that would happen every transfer window, on, and it hasn't. Hang,
0: hang on. We've got. I think we've got eleven to fifteen good players. Okay. I don't think we've got a lot of world class players. I think we've got a lot. Well, of... We're supposed to have done. We're supposed to have bought yeah, them. Yeah, but their potential. Okay. They're both young. Havertz is twenty-one, and also
1: no, you know, Chilwell is supposed to have been a big signing as well. Yeah, but you he
0: know. he's he's still you know relatively relatively young and inexperienced. You know, he's not like something Well, I mean, Silva's at the end of his career, but you know what I mean. It's not like signing a twenty-eight-year-old who's been doing it week in, week out for for six years. We've got Havertz and Werner adapt. We've got a lot of players adapting to a new league. I tell you what, Dean, something that popped into my head the other day, which is absolutely not being talked about. Do you remember a couple of years back to three seasons back when Fulham came up and they spunked all that money on basically buying an entirely new team and they couldn't get it together all season and they dropped like a stone? Last season, Villa bought loads of new players, couldn't get it together until nearly got relegated um nobody's mentioned this that you know this is this can happen when you try and, and you know you we've brought in six new players effectively it takes time for them to gel we've got young inexperienced players we've got new players to the league you know it it's perhaps not surprising that we come a bit unglued
2: yeah it's obviously it takes time for for new players but on the same hand i don't think that they've really played together at all because of injuries and um you know, what have you, fatigue and every week that one gets back another one is then out the team because they're out of form or out of fitness. Uh, sort of what I would say is the fitness is is the main crux of the issue for me. Tell it's, me more. Well, they can say amount of the two players in the team that set the tempo for what Frank wants to do when we play well, they're on their game. Yesterday they were both blowing, you know, hard and we're still trying to press. So, that should be down to the manager to then say, well, we can't press today because, you know, we're not there physically. Sit sit in and, and try exactly. and break. Yeah. On, on the same token, they've had a week to repair. Why are they not fit come match day? Mm. If they've had a week to rest and get ready for this game. So there's... You ask questions of the players and you ask questions of the manager as well.
0: Yeah, I look, you know, I mean... I I'm I'm a great believer in collective responsibility actually. And if, if I you know, and I have managed uh I've managed companies, not not football teams. Um but you know, I, I would never ask anything of the people that I I employed and managed that I wouldn't be prepared to do myself. And if things went tits up, I would dig out individuals concern, but I wouldn't do it publicly unless I thought it was absolutely necessary. And if I cocked up, I would be the first to hold my hand up. I mean, I think collective responsibility is a positive thing, and I'm sure Frank, you know, I mean, he's not going to say it. He's not going to give. He's not going to give the media what they want in that respect. But I'm sure behind the scenes, Frank's, you know, holding his hand up too. And you know, I think we do forget this that he is a, a very inexperienced manager at this level, and he is learning. I agree with you, Dean. Actually, I think. I think that we there are things that we could do tactically that are much better. I think that he could set the team up in a better way. I think, I think, in spite of the fact that, you know, he basically picked uh, what we would all say is the best Chelsea eleven, apart from Reece James for Aspie. That's the team, and Havertz for Kovacic. That's the best team. That's certainly the, what we've been saying for weeks and weeks and weeks is our best attack: Pulisic, Werner, and Ziyech. But not. Right now, because Pulisic is still getting back to anywhere like his best. Werner's couldn't, you know, hit a cow's ass with a banjo. And Ziyech has been injured for a quite a while and is just coming back. So it wouldn't be match fit. So you could question Frank on that. I mean, one can understand his motivation for doing it. I also perhaps think he took a bit of a gamble against City. And that, that was, you know, maybe a, a more experienced manager wouldn't have done that. Maybe a more experienced manager would have said, you know what? I know that they're not quite ready yet. They can't do what I need them to do. So what I'm going to do is not get beat. I'm going to set up and I'll just part the fucking bus. I don't give a shit. I'll get a point out of this, maybe a breakaway goal if we're lucky. We've seen Chelsea do that under various managers at to City before, and I would have had no problem with that. Jk. Once again, Chid, so though that he,
1: he's responding to how they're training. If C-H is is training marvelously, then he, he then he's back to fitness. He he chooses him um but i would pick Doy. i think the doy despite the doy's inability to take people on which really does my head in i mean if you watch who's that wolves winger the one who scored against us um uh what's his name can't remember What's his name the wolves todds yeah, uh, the other one the other one tryory um, yeah no 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 the the the, the little one the one is scored in the end the last of 2-1 anyway him yeah i he, know you mean he he, he 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 sets himself up to, to drive past you, scares, scares fullbacks because he's so quick at doing it. doy has that skill, but he doesn't. He does a kind of very slow movement up and, uh, but he's, he's, he's impressing me with his skill and his speed. And I, I think he should have, should have played doy from the beginning because he played very well um, uh, the other day. And I think, but once again, we can't tell, can we, what's going on in the, uh, on the, on the training pitch. But um, uh, I'd like to take issue with you though, Chidge, because I, I actually think that the very players that you're now describing as, you know, could be world class, early on in the season, we definitely suggested were actually. Um, yeah,
0: we did. We all got
1: we well, we got high it, on
0: our own supply, he, mate.
1: We did. We got very high. On, we like the fact, smell of
0: our own farts, in fact, J.K. Hey,
1: but I felt slightly uh, uh, embarrassed because um, uh, I, I infused so much about Werner, who was fantastic early yeah, he's died on. done really well. And in the same way that Morata started really well and mm. fell apart. So let's hope that we get back to something. Well, I'll be intrigued to see. we we'll are talking about it later on. I'm, I'm uh, jumping the gun. But, you know, if if Werner scores a hatful against Morecambe, well, then I perhaps that's, that sets him up. He's you know, got that, to that, start. He has to start just absolutely. for
0: that reason alone for that very
1: reason, absolutely they need to blow them away Do
0: you know, funny and, funny thing is jake my 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 football London article which you'll this will make you giggle because I've been sitting on it for about three weeks, but it's you know when we had that chat the other week about the curse of the Chelsea number nine. Yeah, I, I thought, oh, I'll, I'll, I'll ping an article out on that, and I, I've been busy Christmas. Yeah, and I and I've been pre- no, I had I can't say this because it's so not true. I, I I won't say I've been praying for Vernon not to score because it would scupper my article. <laughs> but the fact that he didn't against City has enabled me to be able to write it this week. But I'm now going to have to write it this week on the basis that if he starts against Morecambe, he Morecambe he's got to score. get a hatful. So yeah. anyway, so look out for that one, folks. Um, I mean, talking of Werner... Dean and Havertz um, and this kind of will feed very much I think into into what we're about to talk about in part two but we've seen this so many times at Chelsea haven't we when we buy great players and they don't perform and, and it's the manager who carries the can for it and it's not Frank's fault that Werner's forms I mean I know that a manager has a lot to do to try and you know get into their heads Try and sort them out, but but Lampard can't kick the ball for Werner Havertz. We've just had a an appalling bit of bad luck with him getting COVID and not being very well, which has probably not helped his confidence. And the fact that he's he's you know in a new country and he's having to live on his own, all these kind of things. You know you can't blame Frank for that, but I just I, I do wonder, Dean, whether the success of Werner and Havertz, who the board obviously cherished, who they spent a lot of money on, are the players that will. Determine Frank's future one way or another.
2: Yeah, I think you're probably right in, in that sense. But, you know, they are players that Frank has obviously said, you know, yes, we want them as well. So, you know, as the manager, your responsibility is to get a tune out of the players. And, you know, remember that Frank Lampard is not the manager of Chelsea, he's the head coach. As every other head coach has been, the, the board decide ultimately what players they're going to sign. And then you get paid to win. And if he can't win and he can't get Champions League football, then he'll pay the price for that. Mm. The fact that you know Havertz has been through all these issues that we spoke about and, and Werner's lacking confidence is obviously bad luck in, in Frank's in Frank's case. Whether they will return that, I've seen some very good stats on Havertz, you know, starting very poorly in the Bundesliga with I think four goals and assists in the first half of the season and twenty three goals and assists in the second half of the season. Whether that's something that we're sort of praying that comes true for us as well.
0: On on that point, Dean, uh Werner is a classical streaky striker. So I, I from I, I've looked you know you know, I did my funny little analysis of Werner, JK, to find out where he scored his goals from. What I also found out, I, I, will, I will one day be as good as Mark Meehan. It's my ambition in life to be as good as, <laughs> as thorough as Mark Mean, and half as knowledgeable. But he scores his goals in, in, in clutches. So, you know, he'll get three, you know, five or six in, in very few games and he won't get anything for ages. Then he'll get another little kind of clutch of goals and then he goes quiet again. So it's not unusual for him to go through a bit of a, a, a trough in terms of scoring goals. But it, this is his biggest drought for more than four years, 12 games.
1: The other trouble is he's not looking as if he's going to score at all. He's looking no. as if he, he can't actually control the ball. Mate, the he couldn't score too. in a brothel. Indeed, indeed. Uh, now, I, 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 I fear that this is the major the major sticking point, actually, with um, which will be with the board as well, that he's not managed to make the two top players um, perform at
0: any kind of level. But it is early days, relatively, J.K.
1: Indeed, indeed. Yeah. You hope that they will... They they will be um, uh, understanding, but the um, the trouble is there are too many players though that we bought who have hit the ground running. And Zola, Zola came. In. Well, Morata started. Marata's an example of of, of dissent into idiocy, idiocy, isn't it? But I, mean, I
0: think actually there's a really lovely uh, there's a wonderful analogy here which we're both talking about about Chelsea. Sorry, Roman buying marquee players who fuck the manager over by being rubbish. Torres. <laughs> yeah. how, many, how many managers did Torres get through? Uh, Maratta, you could argue. Um, there are many, many others that we could... Shevchenko. You know, that was a Roman buy, wasn't it?
1: Yes. Well, I think that was that was like a marquee buy, wasn't it? Because yeah. he was Russian and he enjoyed watching him play. So our
0: next manager, apparently. And, uh, it, oh, that'd be great. I'd love that. Oh, yeah, fuck that, be, mate. Come yeah, on. Yeah, wow.
1: That'd be great because I think if Shevchenko came, he'd, he'd ask for about another 10. Shevchenko's huh? huh? 10
0: been smoking the funny fags no, no, again. No, no,
1: I'm, no, I'm not agreeing with you. I'm going off into the, I'm going off into a kind of what would happen in this chid world that you've just created, that you've suggested. Yeah, okay. Shevchenko would come in and he'll buy. A lot of Eastern European players. He'll demand them. I want I
0: Leonard Slutsky as our manager because he sang a great uh, version of uh, "All I Want for Christmas." All I want for Christmas is you, in a Perfect. very bad way. I, even worse but than... I don't know.
1: I, I I fear for Frank that way. But well, I just as you look back at other players, you know Hazard came in and was just magnificent. Yeah. He didn't he Costa didn't have a problem. Costa came in and was yeah. magnificent. Um, Zola, going further back, was you know the very first game he he, he took the piss and. Scored against United, didn't he? He was just magnificent. You just... um, I don't think that's true, actually. I think it was later. But he was still... He's still... You look at them and you go, yes, you are um, a top player and you perform uh, each week. You're top. You don't have moments where you're you're off. Thought of another one. Mutu. Yes, started wonderfully, but then took too much... um,
0: Bolivian marching powder, as I recall. Yes. Yeah, yeah, indeed. All right. Um, I'm just going to close out this part with uh, with one one thought. I thought it was a lovely tweet, actually. I've got no idea whether or not he, he listens to this show. It's actually it's really funny. I shall share this with you later. I'm never... I'm always surprised by people who listen to our show who I never think do, but I don't know if this guy does, but it was on Twitter, and he's at the score... Excuse me, at the score zero one, And he said maybe and the reason I like this because it's something that I tend to say every week but he says maybe one day fans will give credit to quality opposition players rather than just lazily blaming our players for being bad City are a quality experienced side playing with confidence best defense in the league which is true actually this year and we are a work in progress with no confidence And and I do think that that's a really really sensible point now i tell you something. am sorry, can I join issue with you? I'm sorry. I knew you would. That's why I tried to very quickly go on to very the quickly plug get away from Have I
1: got it? I give myself enough time by getting in very quickly.
0: you got five seconds. Oh, five seconds. Oh, good. Uh, no. I, uh... Go on, get it out. Um, I've forgotten now. Oh, no, uh... you don't do that. <laughs> can you remember or not? Uh, uh, no, I can't remember what the oh, setup. was. Oh, fuck's it's sake. Like, yeah. It's like having a goldfish on a podcast, isn't it? What? Bop, yeah, bop bop bop, bop 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 bop. All right, if you remember it, which I'm sure you will, I will allow you to bring it back in, no matter how irrelevant it might seem at the time. Oh yeah, right. everyone. Every, every, yeah, yeah. I find so, it very easy. For, every time, I find
1: it easy for people to say that. Um, you know, you've got to give credit to the way they played. If you were a top side, you would stop them from playing that way, and you would play as well, if not better. That's what the great, our great sides did of the uh, of the noughties. That's what Frank and JT and um, Balak and Drogba, they then they played at their level or they stopped them from playing at that level. You can't say, oh, the other team were great. Oh, no, well, we're we're well, not quite up
0: to it. Hang on a minute. I'm hang sorry, on a minute. We're Hang on a minute, banana, this is We're the,
1: supposed to be elite. This We're is to be an elite This team. is the
0: man who breaks all rules of Chelsea fancast. dumb by coming on here, extolling the virtues of quality players from other teams, left, right, and centre, getting all moist about it. Yeah. So yeah, I but thought, what's wrong with that? City are a very that. good side. Very, I think actually they're score... a very good
1: side, but we should have stopped them from being a very good well, side. To I, stop I, them from I, playing. I
0: agree with that, as you know, because I said earlier on. I said, look, yeah. sometimes you've got to hold your hand up and say, you know what? This they they they're potentially going to absolutely do us today. So we need to stop them from playing. Yeah, and I mean one of the com- one of the comments often levelled at managers like uh, Sean Dyche and Sam Allardyce, even Mourinho to a degree. Was the way that they would stop others playing, and I, you know, I don't have a problem with that. I don't give a damn about that. For me, it's all good. It's all grist to the mill in football. It's as much part of the game as it is banging ten past aside because you're so brilliant. If you got, if you're up against players who are better than you, stop them from playing. And I tell you what, this kind of feeds back into something that I meant to say earlier on, actually, which I'm going to ask Dean, but I'm sure you'll you'll want to say something about this, Dean. It kind of came out of what you were saying earlier, I think. I think that we are far too easy to defend against. As a side, and I think that links into what you were both saying about the way that we, you know, Hudson and Doyle will run down the wing and then he'll stop and he'll try and bring other players in. There's not enough directness there. We're too easy to defend against.
2: I think the the issue is you know what each of those players is going to do, and there's no mix-up. You know, when Hakim Ziyech gets the ball on the right, he's going to cut in on his left foot and try and put the ball across. You know that from minute zero to minute 90. Yeah. You know that Pulisic is going to try and take on your fullback, so you double up on him. You know that from minute zero to minute 90. You know what Drew's is capable of. You know what so sort of Abraham does. That's when it's you know cases of, of quality that the side matches. Mm. You know, in regards to the tweet, I'd agree with JK that, you know, when they're playing teams that are bad and they break them down, then you say, well, they're a better team. When we're a team that wants to be that level, it's not... Good enough to say that they're better than us you know, Well, I think they are them. at the moment Dean that's they why are, we yeah. lost 3-1 and it could have been 6 but you don't set up to try and match them
0: no I agree well I think we're agreeing there because I said yeah. that I said I wouldn't have done that I think he took a big gamble by doing that I, for some reason he well as J, JK rightly says and says this nearly every week we're not on the training ground we don't see so maybe he felt that these are my best attackers and they're going to gonna give him as much I mean you know they're going to give as much as we're going to get but I didn't. I, I don't obviously- agree Two seasons ago, we defended and hit them on the break and yeah. beat them. Well, I, I think we that's what we should have done, but there we go. Listen, we're going to move on. Uh, before we do, uh, a, a quick reminder um, about uh, CFC UK, which, of course, both me and uh, Dino write for. Uh, there's a new one. and I can't even remember when I'd sent the bloody thing now, but was it last week? Is it out yet, Dean?
2: I think it's been published. Has it? We haven't got it yet, but I think it's available.
0: Well, um, As you know, you can't get it at the matches anymore because we're not allowed to go. But you can get it digitally by going uh, to cfcuk.net or you can still get it in the old post uh, for two quid uh, by post, including first class post of delivery. And you send uh, an email to subscribe and get it by post and pay to cfcuk at gate17.co.uk. There is another place to get it. I must write this in the script because there's an app you can get this on as well. I I don't know if you can remember what it is, Dean, can you? No. No, no, no. I can never remember. But I will start putting it in the script because it's important. Right. After the break, we're going to be talking about the rumours about Frank uh, being a little bit um, at peril in his future job prospects at Chelsea. We'll see you in a sec. Fans, real I'm Jason Cundy and you're listening to Chidge and the Boys on the Chelsea Football Fancast.
1: Total Nutters and Proper Chelsea. Footballfancast.com
0: Right, welcome back. I'm Stanford Chidge. This is the Chelsea Fancast, and I've got, as ever, the delightful uh, J.K.
1: Lovely to be on the show, Chidge.
0: Who is? I can say this with absolute truth and honesty that he is talking out of his aurora borealis tonight. That's very true, actually, because I
1: uh, to explain to the uh, the the one person listening, um, I am uh, I am. Uh, I have a background of the Aurora Borealis, it's a very beautiful
0: so Aurora Borealis. I could therefore too.
1: pretend I was in Finland.
0: Here we go. Are yeah. you finished? Have I finished what? There we go. You almost got it. I I heard that on Talksport oh, the other clever. week. What, yeah, oh, it's one of the clever. one of the fun, one of the funniest uh, clips. It, it's up there with that uh, Geordie phoning up about. Um, I think it was uh, Mickey um, Mickey Fat Bloke. He's gone from my memory, thankfully. Quinn? Yes, that's the one, Mickey Quim. Uh, he got so many goals. It's up it's there okay, with that one. Right. It it so lots of calls. Calls. <laughs> it's up there with that one. But it's this Scottish bloke phoned up about a uh, Yari Lit- Litmanainen or whatever his name is, the the, the Finnish yeah. keeper, and and he and he and, and he goes and and the bloke goes, the pundit goes, he's he's finished because he thought he was Scottish and he thought he should be playing in the Scottish national team, but he's finished. no nay, he need finish. He's only twenty eight. No, no, he's Finnish. <laughs> no, 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 he's Scottish. No, no, he's Finnish. It's fucking funny. Anyway, we digress. Dean, we've got Dean Mears with us as well. I can assure you that Dean is not talking out of his Aurora Borealis. And I'm not Finnish either. And he's not Finnish either. Good response, Dino. All right, great fun so far. Uh, and Now uh, we need to talk to talk about some worrying matters, I think. Well, worrying if you're me and... You know, you love Frank Lampard and you, you believe that great things are going to happen. But before we get into that, uh, our dear friend, I'm going to read out these quotes, actually. There's three quotes that really struck my eye, chaps, from Liam's article. Uh, the um, uh, Basically, Liam and, and, and Simon Johnson uh, both claiming that there are people at the club, or the board, basically, are getting a bit restless and a bit fed up with the performances over the last five or six matches. Uh, Frank is on notice, and uh, they are kind of actively looking around for a new manager. What a surprise at Chelsea. Anyway, uh, the, the three quotes that really caught my eye are these. Tensions between Lampard and a number of individuals in his squad, particularly those who have found themselves outside his group of trusted regular starters, have been growing for some time, and now factor into the board's assessment of the overall health of the situation at Cobham. Uh, Chelsea have three fewer points after the first 17 matches of this Premier League season, 26, than they did at the same stage of the 2019-20 campaign, 29. A return that is regarded as unacceptable given the club spent well in excess of £200 million in transfer fees and made vast salary commitments to bring in Havertz, Werner, Ben Chilwell, Hakim Ziyech, Eduard, Mendy and Thiago Silva. And the final quote His pleas for understanding are not convincing the key decision makers at Stamford Bridge as they consider the best way to maximise the talent they have assembled. Now, my first point, I mean, to say that I loathe the pillocks who run Chelsea Football Club would be the grossest understatement ever made in the universe of all time. To think that they think that they know anything about football, I mean, God rest his soul, And I knew him, and I loved him to pieces. Ray Wilkins had it right when he basically told them to fuck off because they knew nothing about football. Of course, he then got fired. But, you know... And you
1: find Clough did that as well, didn't you? Yeah,
0: but somebody had to say it, JK. Look, the the real point, apart from me going off about the board, as always, is this comes as no surprise to me. Because this, my friends, brothers and sisters, comrades in arms, this has nothing to do. Nothing to do with football. Chelsea is a global corporate brand. The only thing this club, they stole it from us a long time ago. It's nothing about football. They stole the soul. This is all about money. It's all about returns on investment. They will not tolerate not playing Champions League football. Not because of the glory about it. They wouldn't give a shit. You know what? They would be happy if they did an Arsenal. And as long as they made enough money every year from the Champions League, they wouldn't give a shit if we never won it again. What they care about is potential losses of revenue. And when they've spent two hundred and twenty-two million quid on players, which, by the way, as Jonathan rightly pointed out, I bet you that Frank didn't have much of a say in most of those players that turned up. These are all these are all Sky's picks, no doubt, because of course she's the greatest scout ever. You know, her football knowledge is just insurmountable. Um, I, don't know,
1: but that's I did say that, actually, Chich. I didn't what? Say much. what you just said, Jonathan pointed out that I that it was all down to um, Marina. I don't I think I think no, you Chich, pointed
0: out that they're not all Frank's picks.
1: No, but indeed. But I still think that it's likely given the setup with check at the moment that there is more of an input.
0: I I had hoped that, jake
1: Well, we hope that I had hope, but we yeah. don't well, know. It doesn't really matter, though, does it? He, he's been well, if it's all the worse, if they're his players, if he's but we don't we don't God know. We don't know but even if he's been provided with them and he's the manager. Can can and I can top, I, and top banana he, if he's not making them Can work, I just
0: finish my point on this? Yes,
1: I'm sorry. I Cuz
0: I will forget it and I don't want to do a joke. You know, like yeah,
1: yeah. I'll give can I give you five? Yes, I'll be quick. One, two. But no, three, the point the point four, is it's all five.
0: about money. They they can't they will not they're like a business, you know, that will get They'll get, I mean, they'll never get rid of any of themselves. They'll never take any responsibility for failure. They'll never take any culpability for it. They'll just fire the easiest people to fire and blame it on them. That's what corporate people do. That's what chief executives do. Because they're never there. Hang on. They're never there for the long term. They're never there for the long term. They don't give a shit about the long term. It's all about short term that they can walk away and say, well, we did a great job. They're not about building anything. They're just about parasitically fleecing things. And it's all about the money. That's what this is about, not about the football. But did we not expect this? Yeah, um, yeah, yeah, yeah.
1: Really, you know, I mean, uh, it, we're all in love with Frank if as long as they finish top four and have a decent run in the Champions League and play some decent football, which looks as if that would be the case after the after the first, the unbeaten run. Um, and this is why I'm bewildered, the fact that, you know, you've got those lovely, intricate passes between Chilwell, um, Pulisic and uh, uh, and Mount and anybody on the left-hand side and Werner. And they look to be taking teams to the cleaners and they don't appear to be able to replicate that at yeah, all now. But- the speed. Well, they did this last season, though. Exactly the same thing happened. They were they, they speedily pushed the ball around. Is it therefore Werner? But it becomes irrelevant. As you say to the board, it's no good looking pissed off. Chid. everybody at home. Chid has got his head in his hands because hand. you're
0: you're getting sidetracked off what the big issue, the big picture is. No,
1: no, and no, I'm not getting sidetracked off it at all. I know that they demand a top four finish in Champions League, and at the moment it looks as if neither is Why? going to be how Why happening. do they demand that? Because they they just demand it because of the bank balance. Yes, entirely. No, I I know that, but 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 that's. That's because they've invested 200 million yeah. Look, in these. I, I, I
0: know what you're saying. I'm not I'm not trying to be all kind of like idealistic and naive here. You know, we have all we all sold our souls to the devil for success. Yeah, in but, 2004. But our, our,
1: therefore, our desire earlier on to think it'll be fine. He'll create a dynasty because he's working with the youth. It doesn't matter where they finish was was actually cloud cuckoo land.
0: Yeah, maybe so. But I think this is this is a very salient point. You know, we, we spent a lot of time talking about this. And OK, maybe we were a bit fucking stupid and naive. I hold my hand up because I genuinely felt and certainly, you know, look, come on. We we sit sit around every week saying we don't know anything at all. But we're actually a lot closer to what's going on there than a lot of people are. And generally, the runes that we were reading were that this was a chance for a reset. We, yeah. Ac- yeah, we all we all knew. It's the youth. Uh, yeah, exactly. And we all knew that Roman set a lot of stall by the youth, was basically increasingly getting a, the hump that none of his little protégés were coming through. This was a right, chance...
1: So they're so they're winning European championships. Chance like, for a
0: reset, like. chance for a reset, and do it a different way. Do you know, I'll tell you what I'm reminded of. Dean won't remember this, but JK certainly will. It kind of reminds me a bit when uh, Brian Clough turned up at Leeds in 74 and says, Young men, young men, <laughs> All those medals, those medals you won last year, you could throw them in the bin because you got them through cheating, young men, you know, because he hadn't done it the right way. And I thought this was a chance for us to re- to build something, to do it differently, to be more organic, to bring the youth through, to dose it with a few world-class players and, and, and admit and accept and understand that this will not happen in a year, that this will take three, four years, like it did with Klopp at Liverpool.
1: Yes, but he has slightly ruined it, therefore, by buying all these players because that gets in the way of the... Of the I don't think it was
0: Frank sitting there going, oh, can you go and buy me lots of players for £20 million? I think they came to say said, we, we have had our eyes on these players for a long time. We really like them. They're a good investment because they're young. You so we can, we can resell them in five years to Real Madrid and make more money out of it. Uh, what are you going to do? He's going to say, yeah, of course he's going to say, yeah, you would, I would, Dean would.
1: Even if it, um, uh, it demolishes the philosophy that he felt that he was embracing by just bringing through the youth, you're going to say, yeah, I understand that, but it means he's put com- different pressure on himself because he's brought players who have to perform.
0: Yeah, yeah. yeah.
1: And he, and they're not performing. So, in a, in a sense, he's, he's created a, a perfect storm for
0: himself. But that notwithstanding... I mean, here's the thing, Dean. I mean I, I mean, we, John and I, Jonathan and I as as we always do, have got ourselves entangled in a right old ding-dong about it. Can, can please bring some perspective to the lunacy of J.K. and Chidge?
2: I, I think you're right in what you said about you know the, the noise coming out of the club was this was a transfer of reset, and you know, I believe that was the case. I think this is the biggest impact of COVID and not having supporters in the ground, and then all of a sudden you're losing revenue. You've got a CEO at the club now that is solely driven by revenue and money, with no interest in football whatsoever. You know, you can discuss... All
0: knowledge about it.
2: Yeah, exactly. And then now you're wondering, is this guy going to get to Champions League football? Whereas I think if there wasn't sort of COVID and the supporters were there and he had that support vocally in the ground, there would be no question that they would follow through with that reset. You know, now there's nobody there. And it, so I tweeted after the game, you know, if, if I was running a football club, I was thinking about sacking the manager who happened to be probably the most popular person associated with that club. I would do it when there's no fans there.
0: You made that point on Twitter, didn't you? It's a very, yeah. very good point. Because I think, I mean, this is the thing that people might not understand because they have never been to Stanford Bridge or whatever. I mean, I know it's really hard actually because I've seen a lot of, you know, waverings uh, about Lampard as a manager. I've seen a lot of, resignation, well, what do you expect? And I mean, look, you know, I'm not a complete idiot, you know. I'll back Frank unequivocally, of course. But, you know, nobody's bigger than the club, and I get that. But um most of the people who go to the game week in, week out, I'm sure would be backing him to the hilt. And I think if, if as Dean is saying, if Stamford Bridge was full of 42,000 people every week, and there were rumblings of Frank being fired. I think there'd be a damn damn near be a riot there. But because there are no fans in there, I think you're right, Dean. I think if they were going to do it at all, this is the time to do it because they'd get but away with it. They couldn't abide the anti-Bonitas chanting. They, well, really they would didn't. be eviscerated if they were to stuff Frank in while we we're all there, don't you think?
1: Yeah, oh, completely. There would be... Uh,
0: Burn there, it down, mate.
1: They, yeah, there would be... They, they, well, I'd be, there'd be demonstrations. I think people would I think there'd be happen. more than that. If people wouldn't turn up, I reckon. No, There'd I think I
0: time. think it'd be worse because I think we're in a very febrile atmosphere at the moment, anyway. Yeah, yeah. I think I think it. I would get nasty. Bitch invasion. i be up Absolutely. for that. I'd be up for Staying that. Rip my seat back. up, throw yeah. it at the fucking board, yeah. love it. Yeah. Set light to the fucking place, mate. Come the revolution, I'm up for a bit of that. There is some really interesting kind of statistical stuff going on with this, which I want to pick a few holes in. I know you've got my multicoloured scripts, gentlemen, and I know how much you love them. Oh yes,
1: yes excuse but, me a second. I'll just but have this, a little... this, was, this was this was
0: in the um, this was in the piece that Liam did, and, and I'm really very annoyed about this. But I'm going to make a point that nobody else would have made, of course. Very easy to do uh, a little diagram uh, about how Lampard compares to Chelsea's Premier League managers. To have him, oh, where is he? He's uh fourth from bottom, and there are i mean one two three four five six seven eight nine ten eleven twelve thirteen fourteen fifty sixteen premier league managers he is uh twelfth right he's played uh you know he's played more games than a lot of them uh his win percentage is forty nine percent so that's why he gets well win percentage is forty nine and his goal uh points per game is one point six seven which is why he's in fourteenth below. Andre Viasboas, boas who actually had a 48% win rate, uh, win rate and uh, John Luca Vialli, who had a 48% win rate. You can't fucking compare like with like here. We're pl- talking about completely different teams. The, what what I find interesting about this, JK, is to make more of a comparison with, I think, uh, Bo- Villas-Boas, I think, is a good example, but also Hullett. Uh, and Glenn Hoddle. I'm not going to compare him to Porterfield because we were we were, we were were shit then, let's be honest. But um, Rude Hullet and Glenn Hoddle, I think I think Glenn Hoddle in particular is a very good comparison. Because I think if you look at what Frank is doing, transfer ban, bringing the youth in, trying to do something different, trying to do something new. I think that actually bears a lot more comparison and he's doing way better than Hoddle is.
1: I think we had rose-coloured specks on when Hoddle was manager just because it, it brought Hullet in. And we still didn't play very well and kept finishing 12th. But it was the fact that we'd made an effort under Bates to look as if we were making progress by getting in a, um, a young top ex-player to be our manager rather than the man who'd scored the goal. Another good
0: comparison.
1: Uh, in, the, uh, in the FA Cup final, Porterfield. Um uh, and and uh, even Bobby Campbell was, you know, decent, but there, there was a kind of Hoddle at least gave us a um, uh, just a feeling of that he was a star player. Uh, he might be able to mold the side into something, and he occasionally played. and all right, he got us to the cup final, so you know, um, good on him, and it started everything off because Huett was was attracted to play for them because because Hoddle was there. So, uh, in a sense, he was kind of totemic, but didn't do much. But um, Viesh Boas was too young and was too incapable of dealing with the players, the player power, um, uh, and should never have crouched. I mean, isn't it interesting how time has changed that Bielsa can sit on a, a crate, on his own little padded drinks crate, and um or crouch and everybody treats him as a kind of guru and poor old viash boas who was constantly crouching everybody thought was you know did he have a problem with his his ass or something or what was going on um the poor man i mean i I felt for him and he was trying to change the whole um the whole uh ethos in the club uh, completely at the wrong time um uh but i think he's he's proven he wasn't the the great manager that could have been because he hasn't done very well anywhere else he's done okay um, but it, I, th- I think it, it, it players come, um, um, managers come with a kind of baggage of their of of their abilities as a player with them in many instances, and it's quite good if you don't really know who they are very much, because then it allows you to assess them as a manager. And uh, the the problem is is that um, I think lots of people will will be annoyed with Frank. Um, ultimately if he, if the this run goes on because he isn't fulfilling what we thought that he would be doing which is um pushing all this is this is not the the more intelligent fan he would be pushing him everything in front of him because he was the great frank lampard um so i feel that he's under even more pressure to to uh to deliver because of who he is i'm afraid
0: yeah but that's i know what you mean but uh, dean that makes no sense in another way because you know, he, he's, as, as I keep saying, he's hugely inexperienced at, at this level of management. Now, I, I don't actually have a, a massive problem with that. I mean, of course, the real issue, and I think Jonathan's right here, but it, the real issue is how, you know, are are the club prepared to spunk all this money away uh, and allow Frank to learn how to be a manager? And I think the short answer of that will probably end up being No. Um, but I mean, just because, you know, there are plenty of. I mean, Pep Guardiola was a legend at Barcelona and his first job was at Barcelona. Rude Hullett and Luca Vialli both won trophies having played for us. You know, I don't, I don't buy this kind of. You know great players don't make great managers nonsense because there are far too many examples of great players who become great managers.
1: No, I don't, I don't think you can compare Guardiola and uh, and Frank. No, instance. no,
0: no, no, I'm not trying to compare them in that completely
1: different set of players. No, you know? I, I
0: I agree, but I'm, the point I'm making is that you get a lot of people saying, "Oh, you know great players don't make great managers." That's clearly bollocks because a lot of great players have become great managers. So there's no reason why Frank can't be a great manager, but I I do wonder about Chelsea's ability to be tolerant of allowing him to learn the job under their watch. I just don't think it's the kind of thing that Chelsea will do,
2: Dean. No, it's, it's not, and it but it's not particularly the situation that you want to allow a manager to, you know, gain experience like that. You know, coming into a club of Chelsea level with a transfer ban, and then also selling their best player who they've relied on for, for seven years. Yeah. And then saying, Okay, well you learn to become an elite manager is a lot different to say Guardiola taken over from Barcelona B and say, well, there's Lionel Messi, Xavi and Iniesta. Yeah. Implement a new game plan that you that you think the team can play. You know, it, totally. It's so easy. Well, it's not easy for him to do, but it's a lot simpler for him to do because yeah, no, there's no. no background issues. And that's without taking in everything else that's happened in the last sort of 12 months in general society as well.
0: I think Dean's making some really good points here because I think there are huge mitigating... You know, fact is that the co. this is a weird season, whatever we... Th- I mean, just look everywhere else in the league. You know, Liverpool haven't set the world on light this year. There have been some really odd results kicking up all over the place. Nobody seems to be running away with it. Everybody seems vulnerable to being beaten. I'm wondering if the regularity of the games, the weird conditions, the pot- potential fatigue because of the, the quick turnover of matches. Dean mentioned, Jonathan mentioned, no fans being in the stadium. You know we mentioned the new team trying to bed in earlier on these these things there I still think there's a lack of quality in terms of depth as my article for football london made clear last week there's a lot of other factors here the other thing as i said and i'm going to go back to what we started this discussion uh, about which is you know I, I i i okay it's easy for me to say isn't it it's easy for me and jonathan to say actually We've we've watched Chelsea for a long time. We've watched Chelsea for years without winning anything. I love the fact that we've been winning everything now, but, you know, I, I always want us to win. I always want to win a trophy every year. I really, really do. But I could stomach, I could bear, I could bear three years of not winning a trophy if it meant we really built something, bringing in the kids that played for the academy, which means an awful lot, with a manager who who was a legend for the club, and, and and watch him grow and develop into a great Mike? I could bear that. OK, if it doesn't work after three, four years, then, then you, you, you rip it up and you start again. But not after a year and a half. And the first year of that being just a nuts year with no transfers being spent. Dean, you'll like this. I know you like a stat or two. Um, who did I nick this off? Grant James, I think. It was either Grant James or Gary Hayes. But this is, oh God, it's type so bloody small, I can't read it. But Klopp's first seasons at Liverpool, 2015-16, 2016-17. He was, I can't read this, it's so fucking small. it's a stupid boy, I should have printed it out bigger. But I mean, you know, Liverpool were losing horrendously. I mean, they lost, well, they would have lost to Leicester anyway, because they were good, but I'm just trying, Watford, they lost 3-0 to Watford. They lost 2-0 to Newcastle. Uh, 7, 16 17 was even worse. They went on a run in January, interestingly enough. They drew Toole versus Sunderland. They drew 0-0 with Plymouth at home in the FA Cup. They lost 1-0 to Southampton in the EFL Cup. They drew 1-1 with United. They lost oh sorry, they beat Plymouth 1-0 in the replay in the Cup. They lo- lost at home 3-2 to Swansea. They then lost at home 1-0 to Southampton, they lo- they then then lost at home two one to Liverpool. Then they drew against us one all. They then lost away to Hull uh, Hull two nil, and then they beat Tottenham two nil. Well, everybody beats Tottenham obviously, and then they lost three one to uh, Leicester away. So one two three four five six defeats in basically a couple of months. Right. We've lost. Okay, it's been crap. We've lost some really shit matches. It's been pretty dreadful. But before that, we were unbeaten for a long time. Maybe we can come out of this rut. Taking what you said before,
1: what what we've talked about before, about what you said before, about teams going in bursts and people like Everton then being looking dreadful against Fulham and then losing three in a row and then coming back again. Leicester are the same. Leicester have suddenly um, having lost some dreadful games have actually put a run together. And perhaps, yes, perhaps you're completely right. It's a lot to do with the, the, the fixtures all piling up and people having to, to, to provide their best and they're not fit enough or whatever. So perhaps, you know, he beats Morecambe, they get the the confidence to beat Fulham, they then go back on another run and we won't be having this conversation. And, uh, and Frank saves, saves his career, but it's, um it's, it, it's the i mean as i said i watched everton play against fulham second half everton were as bad as we were and you can't understand it you just think what is going on with these clubs with these sides because they played really well um the week before and that's why when i think they everton played us i thought well if they play as badly as that we're going to beat them easily and they didn't they somehow they, they we we you know we fell for the everton curse up at goodison park but we didn't didn't appear to have the right mentality for it but perhaps this is what this this covid season has created a kind of uh, um, inability to string huge uh, runs together that's why we thought they were title challengers because they'd had amidst everybody else having these surges of of incompetence the team actually um, looked as if we were we were going to stay at the top of the league and yet here we are in a dip but Can we get out of it? In which case, none of this, if we did string together four wins or um, five games without defeat, all this would just fall apart And if we start playing decently. I think the Fulham game, therefore, becomes very, very important.
0: Yeah, totally agree. Dean, what what do you think? I mean, particularly that little comparison with Liverpool. I mean, I I know... I mean, it goes back to that old question again, doesn't it? Is that, you know, is Chelsea, in terms of its, you know management as a club is Chelsea a a a leopard that has managed to change its spots or not because you know Liverpool Klopp particularly took a long time really to get that Liverpool going it took him a long time to get the wrong players out and the right players in those I mean if you look at that run of games that I just mentioned there on the current basis clamp would be uh, lamps would be fired after a run like that I mean look at who he's losing to there
2: yeah I think in Klopp's case in Liverpool, it helps that the ownership of people that have been involved in sports, you know, not football particularly, but understanding that financial dominance in the industry comes from dominance on the football pitch. You know, look at the dynasty that sort of Man United have, have created under Sir Alex and the way they're still able to spend huge amounts of money despite not being successful for a few years now. You know, if, if Klopp had been Chelsea manager and had that sort of results, he probably would have been sacked. Yeah. Chelsea manager, you know, the project that he was on would have been stopped. And the difference is at Liverpool that the project was to get themselves back to the top and take the the rough with the smooth. And I think for us, having people in that boardroom that have no involvement in sports and it is purely business, it doesn't mirror up. And that's always going to be a problem for whoever manages a football club, is that they are governed on results and being in the champions league and you know like you said if they could finish in the champions league every year they would take that over any trophy that you could give them because it gives them stability to make big financial deals that they do outside of the game you know with companies all over the world whereas in in liverpool they've made that decision to to rebuild the team first and the brand second and we are totally brand first and, and team second
0: yeah i i do wonder dean as well um I mean, you know, it's interesting, isn't it? Because as I said, I mean, we're all on Twitter, all pretty active on that, and and it would be easy to say, oh, it's all those bloody foreigners that want Frank out, and they don't know anything about football, they've never even been to London, let alone Stamford Bridge. It'd be very easy to say that, but it's not true. There's plenty of blokes that I know have been going along with me, who are throwing their toys out of the pram about this, which makes me think that there's something else going on here. And I do, I mean, it's what I meant here: as Roman created a monster fan base in his own image. Because let's be under no illusion here, the buck stops with Roman. And maybe he is the classic kind of glory hunting, plastic, just want success every game type of fan. He doesn't really understand not winning. He doesn't understand that you need to go through a bit of pain sometimes to get even more pleasure, you know, that he can't stomach it. He can't bear not winning. The kind of people I was digging out last week, in a sense. You know, and of course, the, the, the hang on, hang on, let me just finish the point, J.K. Because the thing that happens is that it's really interesting watching the media respond to this kind of thing, and a lot of the fanboys, fan base, because what they all think, what you hear repeatedly all the time is, "Oh, we can't go on because you know what will happen. You know what Romans like itchy trigger finger and all of that. It's impossible to change that narrative because I think it's sunk so deeply into everybody's uh, unconscious, uh, longer term fans included, J.K."
1: Yeah, but I, as I said before, he, to an extent, Frank has, has made himself vulnerable by um, having these players come in who are sort of symptomatic of, of the we can, we can buy success. In a sense, he's proved to the media, uh, Roman, that yes, that that's what he likes to try and do and uh, by, by buying all these players. So the pressure is, 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 has to be put on Frank. If Frank had been left dealing with the youth and bringing them out, the media would have loved him. Uh, but it, I don't. Is it that Roman likes buying success? Perhaps he doesn't. Perhaps he is that kind of man. He's a businessman. He buys a player who's, who's worth seventy million, and he wants him to perform like a player well, worth.
0: Give, given that his wealth was handed to him on a plate, he's never had to work for it. So maybe that's the answer to the question, isn't it?
1: Indeed, indeed. But also, I, I, what you said, Dean, earlier that it was it was brand first, team second. I think the problem they've got, though, is that they've built up such an enormous brand as a consequence of the success that they want to maintain it. I don't yeah. think it's brand first, team second. I think it's brand came as a consequence of the success. And they have to keep the monster going. They've got to keep it moving along. And perhaps they worked out that during this, we don't know what's happening from a, from um, in the marketing world there. Perhaps they worked out that during the period where um, they had the kids in, uh the brand was suffering somewhere i don't know i'm trying to i'm i'm not trying to excuse the board i'm trying to work out um why there is potential for 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 dispensing with frank given the the excellence of the whole
2: project you know
0: dean you look like you wanted to come in on that
2: yeah i was going to say that you know at the start of roman he brought in peter kenyon and he understood that the two are combined. You can't have one without the other. And now you've got people that, that don't understand that you can't have the team without the the brand, without the team. And they're expecting that 200 million results in a team that challenges for the league again.
0: Yeah, but of course we all know, anybody who knows anything about football knows that that's not necessarily the case. I think you make an interesting point, JK, about the, the, the young, the youth. I mean, I know we all absolutely love the fact that they're playing for us because we have the same kind of bond with the club that they do, but the modern supporter the younger supporter as we know are 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 guided predominantly by their FIFA, experiences on FIFA FIFA led, yeah, yeah you know we know that we've seen this kind of move where supporters uh they follow players not clubs anymore so what they want are the best talented players in the world no matter where they're from playing for the club they don't give a shit about the Rhys Jameses the Mason Mounts and the Tammy Abrams of this world because they're not wunderkind from Werder Bremen or you know, I don't know, you know, exactly what we're saying, you know, these kind of FIFA type stellar players that you can go and buy with lots of money. Who knows? Listen, I think I should bring a little bit of perspective in here at the moment because, you know, Frank is still in the job and uh, I I thought it was really interesting today. I don't know if you've kept up with the news today, boys, but uh, Dean, um, I've seen a lot of news coming out from a lot of the big hitters in the, in the, in the football media saying, that they're basically not in a hurry to get rid of Frank, his job's safe at the moment. They'll give him at least till the end of the season to figure out what they do, which I think would be a lot more level-headed, I have to say.
2: Yeah, I think it's probably the minimum that he deserves as well for for who he is. I mean, I know we talk about you separate the player from the manager, but you, you can't really give him that he is who he is in terms of this club's history. You know, the way he conducts himself, the way he sort of brought this club back together... At the start of his campaign, after the season before, with Sarri, you know, he deserves the credit of you know having the chance to get this team back on track and, and get back to the Champions League, which isn't impossible. You know, you just need a run of three or four games and you're right back at the top of this table. If you look at Klopp's been at Liverpool now, I think this his sixth or seventh season. Uh, the last Chelsea manager that got that long was Dave Sexton. <laughs> That's
0: a really good point. That's a really good buy. It's a different game now, and I accept that. I mean, what I think maybe you know, talking about Roman and 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 you know, you know, the kind of way he runs the club. I mean, it is hard to argue. You know, we've fired lots of managers, we have won lots of trophies, but I do think that the players quite you know have quite a lot to do with that. I I just feel that this is a real opportunity to really do it differently, to build something for the future. You know, the club doesn't want to be spending hundreds of millions of pounds on. New players every year, and the opportunity to bring some through. I don't know. It for me, it would be more of a connection. I think ultimately, J.K., it just boils down to what kind of a supporter you are, and I and I don't mean that in a qualitative sense. It's just really what floats your boat. You know, is it all about winning trophies every year, winning every game for you, or or is it is is there something else that connects you to the club? I think everybody's different in a, in a way, and there's no. I don't have any problem with that
1: i'm always torn between the two you know i love us winning uh, I, as, I as do i you know I, I love us playing wonderful football i can look at various seasons and think that was the the joy of watching them um take teams apart with with and brilliant individual players but playing as a team um uh, is that seared on my memory the the, the brilliance of that whereas the the uh, when having said that some of the appalling moments that i've 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 managed to bury from our past when we looked as if we were going to win games and then managed to shoot ourselves in the foot um, uh, uh probably traumatized me in some way but I, I
0: i think they've made you a very rounded emotionally intelligent person well, jake
1: i think you think you have to deal with disappointment as a football yes. fan
0: in a, as a in person a, as it, a human
1: in, as a very positive in a very positive way yeah yeah it's um yeah, uh, I would always. That's why I wanted my daughter to be to be a Chelsea fan, be a football fan, just so that she could um, <laughs> yes, she good. could suffer the pain of being being a football supporter. But um, uh, but no, I, I, but no, there is that dreadful thing of thinking, yes, he's he's got the money, buy all the best players. Yeah, let's beat everybody. Then part of you thinks, well, actually, no, it's nice to see somebody build a team together. Um, and uh, and that's why I think that we were so attracted to the um with frank coming with the youth it just made it, it was a kind of dream team and this is why this is this is um kind of inevitable this whole process of people doubting frank but at the same time um it's it's you just have to accept it you accept that yeah if the for me if the manager doesn't come up with a way to make the team work then um his his uh uh, his life at the club is a is a short one. I'm, it's just the way it is. You 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 know if, if we're not if this was the sixties, possibly he would have he'd, he'd hang on he'd hang on longer if he'd got a terrible run of results. I mean I, I'm I'm as I say that's why I think the Fulham game is is well I I think I think the club would be foolish to get rid of him in this season as was been said because of the mitigating circumstances of of COVID and yet we're dealing with um, a chairman who has got rid of, of managers on a whim. So, and that's what's made him a success. We keep talking about this. You know, everybody always says, I mean, I'm sure other clubs, they always go, oh, Chelsea finished again. Chelsea imploding again. Ha, ha. ha. And then we come back and we win trophies. Yeah. And that's what the, the, that's how it's worked under, under Roman. So I'm, you know, you, you, you accept, you have to accept, but it, 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 it it's a it's it's very Chelsea this. It's it's since Roman took over, it's it's the highs and the lows are enormous, but the highs well, have been I, so fantastic. I, 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 that, what have what have that, the lows been? What have the lows been? The lows have been just losing a single match or going that's, under but that's just losing n- losing I know it's nuts, but it's losing, nuts, losing losing four in a row. It's losing this is a low. What we're experiencing at the moment, this is a low. I'm finding this a low. I'm finding watching oh, them I think this is a blip, Well, no, but hang on. Well, a blip, it's still a low. It's a blip, maybe a blip. We don't know yet. It may be such a blip that he loses his job. Yeah, but I just but think it, that's... But it's a low in that we're not sustaining the... The brilliance that we sustained for 14 games that makes it all the worse. I don't
0: think we were particularly brilliant for 14 games. I thought we were were great. I thought we were were building
1: on it. It was excellent. We were looking better and better. I would
0: say we were on the right trajectory and it looked to be going well. But there were a lot of things being slightly pessimistic. No, I'm not being pessimistic. I'm being realistic. And you know that we can go. But I mean, I'm sure we got euphoric on the occasion because that's what we do. We love, love, love doing this, and we. We love watching Chelsea win, but I we were all aware that there were that you know it wasn't absolutely in equilibrium and perfect yet. And, and I wasn't, look, I wasn't, my, I could just I thought it was going to go off the scale. Yeah, well, I, thought,
1: I said early on in the season, didn't uh, I? Said okay, we are gonna win everything, I'm gonna I think you're
0: gonna win everything. I'm, we're great. I'm gonna give you a psychology lesson now. Have you ever heard of uh, Beyond the Pleasure Principle?
1: Uh, there was a band called that. No, now
0: you're thinking of Gary Newman, but uh, Uh, That was pretty good recall, I have to say, but it's about really children, and this is the important point, children are driven by their libidinous instincts. In other words, they seek pleasure. Their whole life revolves around pleasure and instant gratification. And as a parent, it's your job to acquaint, acquaint them with the reality of life, which is fucking disappointment, all right? And the best way to do this, to, to get them out of the pleasure principle... Take them to Chelsea. To take them to Chelsea. I think that actually would be a better one, but certainly in the late 70s, that would have been really cruel. Oh. Uh, a Mr. Beadle-like. But anyway, what the, 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 the classic test is, what is, is what's called the marshmallow test. So you go up to a child and you say... I have two marshmallows here. You can have both of them now, or you can save one for later. What are you going to do? Of course, most kids go, Oh, I have both now. I'm going to have them both now because they've got no understanding of how to postpone their gratification. And I think what we're talking about here as a club is a child that has not developed beyond the pleasure principle stage of their development.
1: No, but can't can't you look at the other aspect of it, which is if they're playing really well. Early Dean's
0: on. asleep, by the way, I just like let Yeah, you know. I know. Rightly so. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> Dean's
1: starting. He's, he's deriving fan. no pleasure yeah. from this podcast whatsoever. He's starting his own fancast. He, probably,
0: he could probably do his while well, this is going on. He could, he could, you know, double We're bubble. Doing mate.
1: it now. It's <laughs> so recording his own.
0: No, <laughs> we should because re- of our unfortunate technical issue. We should wrap this part up because we've got loads, of, loads of stuff to talk about yet, and I don't want to keep you all up too late. But before I do. Uh, just our weekly reminder to uh to join the Chelsea supporters trust. We've got a board meeting tomorrow night. It's lovely. We're back to work very quickly. Um obviously it's uh it's it's very important because it it gives you an opportunity for you to air your frustrations and and views about the supporter issues to the club we get really good access to them apart from me because i spend most of my time slagging them off but the other more sensible level-headed members of the trust or board don't they're much more adult than i am and less petulant but anyway it is a good thing to be uh, to get together because obviously the more more we have more members we have the bigger the voice we have the more uh, influence we can wield uh, it's five pounds to be a voting member which means obviously that you can vote and also it entitles you to attend the, the the regular meetings that we have you can also be a non-voting member for absolutely free but either way you need to go to com and you need to follow them on twitter at chelsea s trust now we'll be back after the break jonathan's been talking about the 60s already with good reason because we lost uh our brilliant brilliant uh manager from the 60s and tommy doherty Uh, last week, so Jonathan and I and Dean too, no doubt, will pay our tribute to him after the break. Finde, was du brauchst,
2: auf stockex.com.
0: Real Real
1: I'm Jason Cundy and you're listening to the Chelsea Football Fancast.
2: Proper Chelsea!
1: footballfancast.com
0: Right. Welcome back. This is Stamford Chidge. And of course, it's the Chelsea Fancast on a Monday night, live and direct on Mixler. And as ever, I have the wonderful uh, Mr. Jonathan Kidd. Lovely to be here as always, Jim. Always good to see you, my friend. And of course, we've got the lovely Dean Mears, the bastion evening. of the Chelsea Fancast these
2: days. Good evening, Chidge. Pleasure to be back on the show.
0: Always good to see you too, mate. Right. Uh, we had a good old cool blimey. I mean, that was an hour and a half's worth of nattering about uh, the current state of the Chelsea nation. I hope we've uh, resolved some things there. Uh, never easy. Never, ever easy at Chelsea. It's in our DNA. Lunacy is what this club does, and it does it better than anybody else, and that's kind of why we love it. Um, and if proof were needed, JK... A reminder of that, uh, sadly, came about last week, really, when we, we lost um, a chap that you and I have been talking about uh, for quite some time, uh, largely th- because of our 50 Years of Chelsea series that we will we will reignite at some stage. Um, but Tommy Doherty, the Doc, sadly passed away at the age of 92 uh, on New Year's Eve. What a shitty way to end what was a shitty year. Um, yeah you i know because i, I mean i i writ, i wrote i writ i writ an obit for him i read i writ, i read an obit for him for football london and i even sent it to them on new year's day which i thought was well above and beyond the call of duty and i did actually quote jk a lovely passage that he wrote and sent me and one that tim roll sent me but i've not seen it go up yet so i don't know what's happened to it but never mind but you did write me I, I, i've actually do you know what what you wrote me jk was so good I'd like to put that up on our website if I may love you too thank you it very was much. beautifully right. written and Dean will oh, love oh, me. It, He'll I, think I, that.
1: I, I tossed it off very quickly Ooh, thinking, uh. oh, God, I better do this but um 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 but yeah, I was trying to uh I was trying to evoke something that was very much of my um absolutely my childhood. It was a bit like watching starting off watching um uh the the, the two thousand and eight side as if you'd only had success. Because when I first started watching Chelsea, I didn't really take them on board until I was about seven. Um, and that was the season where they were running away with the second division title. And then you had the uh, the four months of the, the great freeze. And they lost the plot when they came back to play and started losing everything. And then only just made up for it in the last few games where they beat Sunderland away and then beat Portsmouth 7-0 at home. And... Um, and I was I was shocked by the fact that at the time when it was revealed to me that Doherty had um, played with, uh, I mean, they're all youth. Everybody was youth. And that was also, that was something that was so accessible for you when you're eight, as you think these players playing aren't that much older than me. And it is unbelievably attractive as a as a kid to know that somebody, I know they look, you know, they look like adults because they're uh, um, they're on the football pitch and they're they're men but the fact that they weren't that far away from you age-wise it gave you a kind of aspiration you actually thought well I can I, it could be me out there and I'm then you when know, I had great dreams of of training with the team and particularly since I didn't mention this I used, used to collect autographs all the time and uh, and they were all terribly good at um, signing and if I've got some my dad um, used to pick up um, an extra ticket for me to go along with him and um, see if he could get Get me sitting next to him in the east stand, uh, and if not, he get me a ticket for a, 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 somewhere else in a stand. Just because he liked me sitting and watching them, which is something I've I've always loved ever since. I like sitting down, not a great one for standing. And um, and he took lots of uh, um, of uh, cinema footage of, of of the everybody in their suits. Everybody wore suits in that period. They always wore um, shirts and ties. And uh, that was just what you wore. And they were all outside the office at Stamford Bridge. But the doc at the time, what you don't appreciate at the time I said, I'm talk about the Portsmouth game. Um, he played uh, a formation that was just bizarre, which is he played uh, this 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 centre forward, Derek Kevin, who hadn't played at all, who they'd signed from West Bromwich. Um, they uh, thought and they'd had... signed Kevin Derrick. That's exactly who they thought they'd signed—the great Kevin Derrick, who played for England and scored so many goals. And in fact, no, no, Derek Kevin had actually signed. Had actually scored. He'd been an England international, but he didn't fit. It was the kind of thing he didn't fit into um, uh, into the docs set up because he had lots of very quick it's very similar to today just but with Giroud uh very quick players here Barry Bridges playing centre forward he was very speedy um and I, I, it was the speed that the ball was pinged about and you just accepted that and of course um uh, as I say, when he played Frank Upton up front, he was a centre half, and they and Ta- probably Tamling. So he played I think four three three, and Tambling scored four, and they won seven nil. And I was hooked from then on. I mean, I went anyway, but I was absolutely hooked to watch them. And so tried to saw every home game the following season, and I was I was nine, and uh, but they played an unbelievably quick style with all these boys who'd won the youth cup, and it was joyous. It was joyous g- going along with them. Um, just seeing this terrific football, and of course he also invented uh, invented. He it was he who decided that they should play with blue shorts uh, and, and made the uh, the iconic colours. That obviously we've other than a couple of seasons where we've had blue socks, which always offended me. Um, blue, blue and white was always the best best outfit. Um, but he, from then on, he just uh, went from strength to strength, and they should have won the league in the four years he was there, and they should have won. Um, uh, the FA Cup, and they did, and they got to the final, and they did win the League Cup. But he made some unbelievably astute signings. But what was what he was so clever with, with was the way that he he pulled Chelsea out of um, uh, mediocrity, Doherty, into um, an exciting, youthful, ball playing, um, modern football team. Um, I suppose one possibly using the Busby babes as a kind of inspiration because they were all youths. And uh, um, it, it was, we were all buoyed up by this wonderful, wonderful, um, the, the success and the exuberance of the side was just absolutely superb. Um, and they, and the basis of this, he was slightly eccentric. He didn't, he uh, didn't get on with Terry Venables, who obviously was a, then uh, was a, a subsequently a great manager, but was a terrific player. And he, Slightly destroyed the side, but Sexton then took over and took Chelsea to success in the FA Cup and the European Cup Winners' Cup. So he laid the foundation for uh, all the early '70s success, and also made Chelsea into a very trendy side. It was that that it was his input and his influence, and he was a um, uh, a bright Scot uh, with always 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 something to say, a real personality. Um, uh, and wasn't afraid to get players to put their f- put their foot in. It's why he had Ron Harris playing, because he'd been very like that as a player for um, for Preston. And of course, he'd also been influenced by Bill Shankly, the great Liverpool manager, because he'd played with him, and they were Scots as well. So there was a lot going for Doherty, who then subsequently proved himself as being um, a really competent manager by, by managing other teams to success. And also... Um, being a great after dinner speaker and, uh, and personality. Uh, and it was a shame that we couldn't have him for longer. I mean, really, he should have come back again, I think, during the, uh, during the seventies and done almost a Mourinho because he would have whipped them into some success, but they couldn't, I don't think they could afford him by then because they'd, they bought, they'd built the stand and it all fallen apart. But as a, uh, for me, as a, the beginnings, as a Chelsea fan, he was, um, Looking back, I mean, remarkable. You take these things for granted when you, you, you don't realise what's happening in front of you. You know, I was eight, eight to eight to twelve, eight to thirteen was when I was. Uh, um, he was he was the Chelsea manager, and uh, you you don't know any 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 better. You don't you just when when Chelsea when he sent because he, he had a terrible moment where there was a nightclub incident where several of the players um, broke curfew and he he didn't play them he played all the reserves and they Cost lost us the title they reckon. lost us the title completely Oh, the pain that i had from that I can't, the, the 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 early on disappointment to know that he'd but i mind you i was experiencing a lot of pain because i i went to the um, i went to the 66 semi final at uh, uh, at seven at at um, um where was it where did they play it was it, it wasn't at hill semi final it was against Sheffield Wednesday. Wasn't, was it
0: it, a, Villa, wasn't it Villa Park?
1: Villa, Villa, yeah. Went to Villa, yeah. And McCalliog scored against us. Who'd been a really excellent, up and coming, youthful player, and he sold him. And uh, yeah, they beat us two 0 Sheffield Wednesday. Oh, the pain, bloody hell! What
0: was I? Twelve? Oh God. Dean, Um, um and, uh, just to butt in. Sorry to butt in, J.K. Yeah, no, butt in,
1: butt I've gone on too long. I'm so no, sorry. no, no.
0: That's all right. I, I could feel, I could feel your momentum slightly waning, J.K. But uh, and. Dean, uh, it's obviously this is way before you were born, but I mean, do you have any knowledge at all about Tommy Dock? and I mean, I think the thing is really interesting. Actually, just revisiting it with JK and doing the article as I did, I just thought it was so interesting. That the the in a sense, I think that Doherty you know, turned Chelsea into the into a modern football club. That's what he did: the bringing in of the youth, the playing of the, the kind of style of football that we played. He was a real modernizer, and in a sense. He kind of created the Chelsea that we know today, in a sense.
2: Yeah, obviously being too young to, to be around that time, you know, it's a testament to to his legacy that you know people like say, J.K. can speak you know so lovingly about him, and that we know that it is so, love.
1: Dean, you're right. It's love. I agree. It is.
2: Yeah, and the influence that he had on the club you know, all those years ago still stands today. And, you know, that era from the 70s that went on to have that success, which was sort of unparalleled until Roman came. It shows you know, the level that he he has and uh, the club still, I think, sent him a hamper every year at Christmas. They did. Um, And he loved it. And he hated Man United
0: for not sending him one as well.
2: Yeah, so that shows, again, you know, the level of, of the man. And, you know, my son's going to be five this year when he grows up i think he'll know tommy doherty and those players as well because that's part of the fabric of of chelsea and the dna of the club and when you become a supporter you support you know not just the present day you support the history as well and you know that's one of the biggest parts of our history is is that era under doherty he made wonderful signings as well Dean. wonderful some great iconic chelsea players
1: eddie mccready bought him completely brilliant johnny boyle Um, yeah, Johnny Boyle, absolutely, but also and Charlie Cook, of course,
0: George Graham, and,
1: and George Graham, George Graham, and then were, sold uh, him for Tommy Baldwin. Oh, I couldn't believe that. Oh, it upset me so much. Well, Another you know, Tommy Baldwin. I great I know, player, well, different player completely, but he was a great class. He act.
0: scammed Arsenal for him as well. Yes, totally yes. scammed him. I think yes. actually what what you'd said there, Dean, is a really good point because I think that ultimately is is the Doc's legacy is that you know he brought through. I mean, over and above, uh, you know, modernizing Chelsea, I think over and above, in a sense, creating that Kings of the Kings Road style that we had, that swagger that that we, you know, you talk about the DNA. That's what people still kind of know us about today. That's what they associate with Chelsea, Kings Road style glamour. Absolutely. The doc created that. But over and above that, talking about legacies, he brought to the club, or brought through from the youth, Peter Bonetti, Ron Harris, Terry Venables, Bobby Tambling, Johnny Hollins, uh, to name just five. Peter Osgood. Peter, Peter Osgood. Osgood, exactly. You know, players that, that, you know, I mean, Harris and Bonetti amongst, and Hollins, amongst the highest appearance makers for Chelsea of all time. Uh, argue, arguably our great one of our greatest goalkeepers. I mean, Czech, I think, probably edges it. Edges the cat out now but i know a lot of people who would say different bobby tambling uh, our top goal scorer until a certain frank lampard beat him to it um chopper our highest appearance maker of all time they went on and won i mean eddie mccready went on and managed the club one of the best left backs we've had um they won the fa cup after he'd gone they won the european cup winners cup after he'd gone so his legacy i think is huge but just to kind of a, to kind of bring it all together and, and and summarize really what we're saying i mean jk's right i mean the other thing that, that the doc did he turned a hilariously failing club i mean we never won anything we won the the title in 55 but we kind of won that with the lowest points tally ever um the 60 61 youth side both won you know won the youth cup and he brought them through as i said but what the doc did is he got us challenging for honors regularly i mean we we only won the league cup under his managerial ship we lost the 67 cup final to spurs which everybody hates still but we were in two semi-finals before that in the fa cup we uh we won the league cup as you, as you know in 65 in fact we could have won the treble that year we were definitely in contention to win the league three or three or four years we he got us in playing european football we had that fantastic season in 65 or 6 i think where we played Roma, AC Milan and lost in the semi-final of the InterCity's first cup to Barcelona. He put us on the map, I think, in that context. And as I said, then what happened after that was that his real legacy was what happened after that with that team that he created, but he wasn't really able to see through. So I think I think uh, Tommy Doherty's a, a hugely important manager and character in Chelsea's history. And, and I, for one, will lament his passing. I was lucky enough to... To meet him at the uh, book launch of T- Tim's wonderful book *Diamonds, Doherty's and Devils* um, in the Duke of Edinburgh pub in Asker, where Tommy Doherty literally held court. He was he was 90 years old at the time, I think, but he 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 was just absolutely hilarious. He he was well known as a raconteur and a very funny, very witty, very acerbic, waspish man. Brilliant sense of humour with some great anecdotes. My favourite of all obviously being the one where he used to say to Chopper, get your late tackles in early, you know, but he was full of that. He was like a, a bit like a Mourinho and a Brian Clough in, of his day, I think, in, in that respect. Very funny man. Um, and he was brilliant that night, uh, had time for everybody. Uh, Burt Murray, Barry Bridges and Ron Harris were there with him and the love they had for him and the, and the love he had for them shone through and... Uh, Tim, who interviewed him for the book, said that this is a man who clearly, he really loved Chelsea to this day, had a real affection for us and the club. And I think it's safe to say um, it was it was very much mutual. And as I said, I think he was a real prototype of a very modern manager, the likes that we, we see, the personality manager that we see a lot of now. So uh, I think all of us would say a huge and hearty, rest in peace, Tommy, Tommy Doherty. You were much loved. Much
1: loved.
0: Yeah. Yeah, 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 special for you, J.K., because you among you alone amongst us were there and watching it all happening.
1: Yes, but as I say, it's difficult to uh, to give credit at the time. You're just enjoying them, and you just see them, and you you want it to uh, continue because the football was so good, as you say, very very modern. He played um, overlapping fullbacks in a period where they were still dealing with fullbacks who just booted the ball down the pitch. Mind you, that still happens with some. Some Premier League clubs and run after it, but um, uh, it was a, a permanent tactic. Um, but he was; it was all based on fluidity and speed, and that was uh, so novel. That's why they did so well coming up from the second division. It was, it was joyous. It was, it was indeed. a joyous time to be a Chelsea fan. And if you
0: want another parallel, he took the club on after they'd sold their best player,
1: uh, Jimmy Greaves. Yes, absolutely. I was about. I was thinking of. of Tony
0: Hatley. Oh, no, that was later on. Yeah. Derek Kevin. Mm. No, no, well, it on. was it was uh, Jimmy Greaves, of course. So parallels. There is nothing new in football. History repeats itself ad infinitum. Now, uh, very quickly, a quick plug before we go to a break for the Chelsea pitch owners. If you want to own a piece of Chelsea, then you need to get yourself a CPO share. Uh, owning a share means you've got a share of the freehold of the stadium, and it protects it from being sold to a rapacious property developer in the future. Uh, should Roman, for example, decide not to be the owner of Chelsea anymore? But anyway, the bottom line is it makes sure and it ensures that Chelsea will remain playing at Stamford Bridge, its spiritual home forever. So it's a very important little thing to have. Uh, you can get all sorts of varieties. The cheapest share is priced at thirty-one pounds, uh, and then you pay a little bit more all the way up to two hundred and ten. If you want to, you know, have the pit, uh, the the share presented to you on the pitch, although they can't do that at the moment. You pay two hundred and ten quid, but Uh, price points in between 31 quid and 210 will either get you a signed share or a framed share or a framed signed share. My share has got Frank Lampard's signature on it. So the previous one and a half hours will now become very clear to you where I stand. I've lost my share. Oh for God's sake.
1: Seriously? Yeah I don't know where it is. I still get the letter from them telling me that I'm a member.
0: Mine's framed up there. You can't see it but it's it's up there. You can see where I'm pointing. It's up yes, there. Yeah,
1: you're pointing to, to your curtain.
0: No, no, no. Up there. See up the bookcase? there. Yeah, bookcase. There. Yeah. Anyway, so there you yeah. go. With Frank Lampard's signature on it. If you want to get one, do it. And do it now. Uh, so uh, all you have to do, really, simplest thing is just go to the Chelsea's, Chelsea's official website and search for Chelsea Pitch Owners. It will take you to the right page. And there you go. Now, after the break, we've got loads of emails. So we'll try and rattle through them as quickly as we can. fans real opinions i'm jason cundy and you're listening to the chelsea football fancast up the chelsea football fancast.com right welcome back stanford chidge here and the chelsea fancast in full swing with Mr. Jonathan Kidd. Yep, 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 yep. And the ever so patient and tolerant and wise Dean Mears. Good evening, good evening. He's still with us. He's doing very well. Right. There are some real, there's a few really long ones, but they've come out in the usual kind of haphazard uh, way that they normally do. But the first one, JK, is from our mate Tim McConnell. Tim McConnell.
1: Hello, Chidge. Hope you've enjoyed the holidays. Had some dinner, honey. Hi, Chidge, hope you've enjoyed the holidays. Had some Guinness to ring in the new year. Of course he has. I'm not sure if this is something you all do. No, I don't. I don't use Guinness. Oh, no, sorry. But though though I'd ask, thought I'd ask. Not though I'd ask, Chidge. You've put though I'd ask up here. But (laughs) though I'd ask. Thought I'd ask. It was my mum's birthday yesterday. I was wondering if you'd be able to give her a quick shout out on the fan cast. I'm sure she'd get a kick out of it. What's her name, Tim? Claire, mate. Oh, Claire McConnell. Oh, bloody hell. <laughs> oh, mug is written on my forehead. Sorry. Sorry, Tim. Sorry. Claire. Yeah, Claire. We love you, Claire. Fantastic. Yeah, yeah. Great. Yeah. Happy birthday for yesterday. What a shame. We, we didn't know it was otherwise. We oh, I think
0: I think Tim sent me this a couple of days ago. So her birthday, I think, was last oh, month. two days ago. Might have been on Friday. I, I forget now. But
1: uh, maybe we couldn't have done it on Friday because we didn't. We could have done it on Friday if we'd done a show, but we didn't do maybe one. Maybe
0: it was New Year's Eve. Maybe you sent it on Friday. So maybe oh, yesterday was New Maybe it was, what,
1: a year ago? No, no,
0: no. Well, it would have been a year ago. It would have been. Yeah, Z, clever. yeah, clever. Clever, clever. But uh, no, yeah. quite quite right. Happy, 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 happy birthday. Happy birthday,
1: Claire. Yes. yes. Yeah. Yeah. Sorry, Tim. The Sorry. I'm making
0: the connection. I do apologise. Yeah. So yeah. there we go. Are you in
1: Canada as well, Tim? Yeah, are
0: yeah. You? Yes, he is. He is. I'll, I'll speak I'll speak for Tim. I'll be Tim. Will so you? Can, okay. So you can hey, Tim, are you in Canada? Yeah. Hey. Wow. I am. I'm in Canada. Yay. Canada. Hey. Canada. Yeah. hey, can so you I'm introduce
1: doing... me to an elk?
0: Uh, yay. <laughs> uh, Tim, lovely to hear from you. Hope you're all well. Uh, we, we have huge love and affection for the McConnell family, but especially your mum who's very generous with her time. As you, She might well be in uh, Mixler now, and although my technical break might have uh, hastened a lot of people's departure tonight. But uh, Claire, I'm sure you'll catch up on the podcast. We love you lots. Have a, Hope you had a great birthday. Right, now, this is a cracking email from the lovely Sophie Spittle, And she says, Dear Chidge and the team, I've been listening to the podcast for a couple of years now, and this year it's been great company for me on my daily walks, often making me laugh out loud and talk to myself, as well as getting cross with some of Jonathan's comments. Sorry, JK. No need to apologise, Sophie. There's no way you could get half as cross as I do with him. Uh, anyway, I've been thinking about. Of... You should see his face occasionally. I'm off on
1: one. He's just behind the microphone, shaking his head and
0: going. <laughs> so true. So true. <laughs> well called out, mate. Uh, anyway, I've been thinking about e- emailing for much of 2020 to say thank you for the fabulous 50 years of Chelsea, and my Chelsea and the my Chelsea series, which. As a Chelsea fan, since the mid-80s brought back lots of memories and gave me insight into the club in the 70s, which was incredibly interesting. However, it was the latest podcast and conversation you, Mark and Tony had about perspective that has finally given me courage to email in. Well, I'm not mentioned there, you notice. Know, to... Well, because you didn't have any old bean. Uh, these no. comments really resonated with me, and I just wanted to say thank you for that. I would also like uh, like to agree that the Arsenal game was nowhere near the worst game ever for Chelsea. As you said, there've been numerous other ones in the last couple of years alone. Exactly. Uh, if I may just add a couple of other comments, I would like to say well done and thank you for the support of the Women's Team podcast. Went to Mo King's Meadow. I watch the women's team when I can and love that I can now listen to a great podcast on the fantastic team we have rather than just women's football in general. What do you think of that, Dean?
2: Yeah, very good um, that people are enjoying it. You know, I wanted to listen to something about the the team and no one was really doing it. And it's good to be one of the first to be out there regularly doing content on the team because they're they're amazing to watch if you don't watch them. They're really good to watch.
0: Excellent. Well, well done, Dean. We love him for doing that. Uh, And he's very kindly allowed us to publish it on our platform, so it all works for everybody. Now, you don't need to read this out. Uh, Okay. (laughs) okay. I don't think it's controversial, so I'm going to read this out, Sophie, if you don't mind. It's more about uh, an interest for Jonathan especially. On another podcast, Game Changers, there's an interview with Sean Massey-Ellis about being an assistant referee. In the middle of the podcast, there's an interesting section on how the PGMOL operates, the requirements and the day-to-day work they do in order to referee, run the line in games. I find Jonathan's rants on refs interesting, and whilst not always agreeing with him, they certainly give a different perspective. This interview gave yet another perspective. Thanks again for all your hard work. Whilst I don't always agree with the team's comments, opinions, I enjoy listening to them and arguing, agreeing with you in my head and sometimes out loud. Come on the Blues, Sophie Spittle. What a lovely, lovely email! And the only thing I can say, Sophie, is why has it taking you so long to write in? If you know, fantastic email! And also, it's kind
1: of tempting, isn't it? Because she's sort of, she's just, she's like saying, you know, this show about this podcast about Sean Massey Ellis. Mm. I'd, I'd, I'd like to know. I'd like to know where it is. I'd like to
0: hear it. Game changer, mate.
1: Yeah, I'd check like it to, out.
0: No, yeah, I must. I might. Well,
1: it, yeah. it's on the. I still don't. You know, having been a ref myself, I don't really see how. Um, difficult it is to uh, set yourself up for running the running the line, but um, um, uh, I'd be intrigued to hear it. Yeah, um, I'd like to know which bit she doesn't always agree with. Well,
0: I, th- I this is the point though. I mean, you know, we don't agree with each other. Well, we do a lot of the time, but we don't always it, agree with each other. I
1: am completely right about refs.
0: That well, no, I have no argument there. I, I would I'd would be far stronger than you are, but yeah. you know, that's the point. You know. I think this is actually a really salutary lesson. Dean's mentioned this on Twitter a lot recently. By the way, if you're not following Dean on Twitter, then you need to give yourself a massive head wobble because Dean's very active, very funny, actually. He's got a very dry sense of humour, but he's usually spot on the mark on a lot of things. And I think this has been coming through. You know, I would hate it if everybody that we on the, on the fan cast sat here and, just go oh yeah i agree with that oh yeah i mean it would just be boring we're we're mates who love football who are passionate about it and we can thoroughly disagree with each other sometimes we could be downright horrible to each other but we love each other that's and we can you know we we can finish the end of the show and every, everything's fine no no grudges are harbored no bad feelings linger we're all adults as well and i think that's how it should be why can't twitter be like that jk Um, probably because, uh, we hardly
1: speak to anybody on Twitter.
2: Well, we don't. What do you reckon, Dean? It's because it's faceless most of the time, isn't it? For the the idiots, they can hide behind a picture of whatever footballer they choose and say the rubbish they want to say. If you was in the pub and you said that to someone's face, then, you know, you might be...
0: Get ironed out, mate. Yeah. But I think we can disagree and still get on all right. I mean, for me, that's perfectly normal and natural. Uh, anyway, well done, Claire. Brilliant email. We've got, got a nice one from Matt DeFronzo, JK.
1: Matt DeFronzo. Dear Chidge, JK, and esteemed guests, well, it's Dean. I'm writing this shortly after losing to City. The performance and result against City, leaving with so much to say, but I had to down about three pints, so forgive me if I jump around. As Chidge said on the show last Tuesday, Chelsea have in fact ruined Christmas and New Year's. I'm not interested in singling out any player or players or manager or board members of, or staff, etc. I'll explain why shortly. There's no denying this is a dark moment for the club. Ah. Didn't go for that, that far. One point from matches against Everton. That's true. Arsenal, Villa and City is dreadful. The club spent all this money. We haven't beaten a side in the top 10. Aside from West Ham. It doesn't help that Arsenal and United have had good runs of form. So people will actually ask, why isn't Frank Lampard getting the most out of Chelsea when Chelsea spent 200 million? Well, I have no fucking clue, but I have faith that Frank does. I will not stand any talk of Lampard out. Anyone who thinks it can fuck right off. <laughs> yeah. Ah, yee man. yee Hey, you taught in that 6 gun, boy. Frank is a young manager. The players are mostly early works in progress. Chelsea are developing a new identity right now. There are so many crazy factors affecting the club. Covid, no fans, new players that don't speak the language, a mixture of young players and senior ageing ones. The list goes on. I'm as frustrated as anyone with the results, but Lampard isn't to blame, nor is Timo nor have it. This is going to take time. We've invested in the future. Investments take time to pay off. We must be patient with Frank and the players, and hopefully Roman will have that patience too. The night is always darkest before the dawn. Up the Chels, Matthew. The trouble is, if the dawn is a Roman dawn, then I'm afraid Frank will be wandering into the sunset
0: with his yee I think Really, we're talking about a Roman candle here—something that explodes in vibrant heat and light, and then fizzles out very quickly, and has to be relit. Yeah. It appeals while it's alight, but yes, afterwards, it's indeed.
1: just a, a soggy, a soggy rained upon squid.
0: It is, uh, Dean, very sensible email by Matt. I think.
2: Yeah, I think the point about you know the darkest days is something that sort of J.K. was alluding to earlier. You know, with this lockdown, you know, football is for many, you know, the highlight of, of the week, and we oh, don't me. This is the
0: highlight of my week.
2: Well, for us, yeah. And <laughs> Not for anybody
0: else, that's for sure. <laughs> Sorry, go on, dude.
2: <laughs> yeah, for, for those people that sort of over Christmas looking forward to the games and then, you know, we put in performances like we did against Arsenal and Manchester City, you know, as JK said, the lows can be ultra low because you don't have the release of, of the day. Yeah, you know, It's something you always speak about, that football ruins a good day out and there's no good day out at the moment so it's just ruined oh,
0: dean the voice of reason we should get him on the show more often jk he's far more sensible than you are. i think I. we should just, just get him to talk i think you. actually
2: because I, th- I am going to leave it to dean
0: one day he knows this
1: yeah i agree completely well didn't you say the other day if you were going to retire i was only he, i was
0: he, me, i was fucking with you guys
1: i know i know but you said you'd leave it up to me and dean and i said i've I sent back to you no no just leave it up to dean i'll be back with you <laughs> You'll have to, revolt
0: now. You will have to. I, I will still be doing this fucking show from my coffin, mate. Don't you worry about that. Uh, as long as the audio do you works. You don't
1: watch the games, though. What if you do that?
0: You don't well, watch? You, the, the, the thing is, JK, I'm usually shit faced when I go to the game. So uh, this, you, the, you, People out there may have noticed this, but the quality of analysis may well have gone up since I've not been allowed <laughs> to actually go into the ground because I actually remember what I've seen on the TV and I can make notes and I'm not shit faced. So there we go. I don't know if you've noticed this, Pete. Maybe people have. Maybe they, maybe they hate it because of that. I don't know.
1: That's why they've said it, it, it's it's getting better and better. I think, <laughs> I think that could be the
0: reason. <laughs> I don't know, mate. Anyway, I'd rather we were all back there getting pissed. But there you go. Right, talking of going back there and getting pissed. Now, this is talk about serendipity. This is an email from Brian Wolfe. He of Chelsea, Chicago, and the man that created the Kerry Dixon banner. Well, him and... Him and uh, um walker i think but anyway brian was very good at getting that organized and as it happens jk the last premier league match i went to was when we beat spurs and i ended up in a pub with brian Wolfe, who kept on buying me pints of guinness to try and make me miss as many trains as he could and he was very successful i missed a lot of them But I did get home. Anyway, Brian writes, uh, Hello, my friends. It's been too long and I miss you all tremendously. Hopefully, sooner rather than later, we'll all be together at the Cock or the Atlas for several pints. Uh, I'm writing this email straight after the Man City defeat, a match that, like many since the start of Covid, has me feeling neither happy nor glum, but simply leaves a feeling of numb existence. In the spirit of brevity, I will get straight to the point. I back Frank Lampard as our manager, and I will do so until the day he isn't, hopefully never. The past year has been catastrophically destructive to humanity's confidence and psyche. VAR ruins all joy by chalking off goals for millimetre infractions. There's no supporters at home. No away days with multi-hour train delays. It's hardly even football anymore. And having Frank Lampard back at the club leading us into a new era is the single most exciting thing we have going at the moment, and it's something we will we all deserve. Yes, one can absolutely separate Frank Lampard the player from Frank Lampard the manager, and it's necessary for Roman and the board to do so in the future when de- deciding in which direction the club has to go. But I don't have to make that distinction. I'm a football supporter. The game is about emotion. This podcast is about emotion. I don't want to separate them because I want to enjoy having him back and leading us and not a damn thing is going to change my mind. The idea of Frank Lampard building long-term success at Chelsea is special. Not some Thomas Nagelsmann Pochettino man coming in to rescue a few more points only to get sacked again in eight months. For the loads of Twitter abusers, Goldberg freaks and FIFA Ultimate team weirdos, I and a bunch of others don't give a single shit about your insane diatribes on false nines, low blocks and expected goals. As you put it, Chidge, it's all a load of arse gravy. Frank Lamp... Oh, by the way, Brian and I are concocting uh, a, a new banner. He's going to make a, a new banner for us. Chelsea fancast, it's a load of ass gravy. That's going to be the new banner.
1: Will there be a, a, a graphic?
0: I hope so, and I hope it is graphic. Anyway, where were where we? Were? Yes, yes, Frank Lampard, the manager, could lose our next five matches. It won't change my mind. I'd like to think this shows... <coughs> Excuse me, hang on. <coughs> a bit of Bob Fleming there. Uh, it won't change my mind. I'd like to think this shows a level of maturity and intelligence, but I'm sure that's an odd stat somewhere, like managerial winning percentages, to show me I'm wrong. I still don't care. Frank Lampard is not Sari. he's not Scolari or AVB, and he's certainly not Benitez. The comparisons are baseless. I refuse to accept being labelled a hypocrite because I dislike those managers but love Frank Lampard. But I don't care about qualifying for Europe next season. Will we even be able to go? I'm not embarrassed if we finish 7th. I do care that I feel passionate and good about this football club. And for the first time in a long while, I do with Frank at the helm. I'm sure by this point in the show, this topic may have been discussed three times already, and in that case, hopefully, I provided an ample platform for Jonathan to at least do some clever voices. Love you all, be well, Brian Wolfe. Well, I'm very sorry, Brian. It was me who read it out, not Jonathan. But Jonathan, and also,
1: I, I, none of my voices are clever. So,
0: oh, you do yourself down, mate. You no, know, um, and then
1: clever change.
0: T- they're just. Yeah. I, I think, I think, Dean. You know. I mean, I love Brian to pieces, and he well knows it. he's a, he's a. I mean, he is the epitome of what I would call a great uh, drinking buddy at Chelsea matches. And and like you were saying, you know, it's, it's, there's more to the game than just ninety minutes of football. And and I love him for it. And I and I and I just wonder, in a sense, how many people are out there are like that anymore
2: they're out there I don't think they're on social media which is the problem I think you see a lot of the people that don't have that connection in a way to football that you know the people that we know do because we go into the ground and and know those people you know what we spoke about Tommy Doherty like in part three for so long and that connection that he has with supporters of you know growing up because of the players he brought through that's something that Frank could be doing right now in his present moment we just don't know it yet and in 50, fifty, sixty years we could be talking about Frank Lampard in the same way that we do, you know, Tommy Doherty. You know, having that faith. Supporters will have it, you know, it's obviously the ones that make decisions that will that don't, unfortunately.
0: You know what? Something has occurred to me that's very interesting, something I deal a lot with actually in the work that I do, but getting people to understand that any notion that we have control over anything but how we feel and how we behave is a complete and utter delusion. And, and as soon as you lot, I mean, everybody really lets go of the idea that you can control, control stuff, the happier you will be. And I think, in a sense, that's, that's the divide we're talking about here accept that you have no control about what happens on the pitch, accept that you'd have no control about what happens with the players, accept that you have no control over the referee, accept that you have no control over what the manager does, whether he's an idiot or not, accept that you have no control over what the idiot board do. Let it go and just enjoy the ride. That's one way of looking at it. Or, and I think, I know it's a bit perhaps hypocritical to say this, because we we have a podcast every week, you know, talking in granular detail about what could be done and what has. But actually I think a lot of people do delude themselves with thinking that they have control, which is why they talk about it in the terms that they do, JK.
1: It would make for a bad podcast though, wouldn't it, if we just I don't
0: agree. It. I think we, we we would just have fun and talk shit anyway. I mean it's kind not of not about we football. Yeah, we, we would do. We would do. I mean I know what you I know what you're saying. But just I mean accept that referees are all a cabal of self serving. Well I, 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 I think it, this is actually underlying the, the, the you know the that's the hub of the 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 yin and the yang of what you and I do, you know. I I I'm, I do believe that I the only thing I can control is me and and my behaviour. I can't impact or affect anything that goes on other than that. And I think, and I, I don't mean this. It might sound like it's a criticism. I don't mean it like that at all. We're all different, but I think you you do you want you want things to be perfect. I know we've had this discussion many a time, and that's how you get your satisfaction because you. I think you. I think in a weird sense, you're a dreamer and I'm not actually. I think that's what it boils down to because you cling on to that moment of perfection. Yes. I I accept that it won't happen. (laughs) That's the difference
1: between (laughs) us. Well, no, but I can see all the uh, reasons. I can see the answers as to why referees should be better. I can see the ways of doing it. That's also through having done it myself and meeting the same kind of people involved. I can see the, uh, I can see how they make mistakes and, um, uh, Uh, I accept the fact that I won't be able to make much of a difference because I think the second that you um, attempted to do that, you'd be considered a troublemaker and you'd also, you'd be, you don't, you wouldn't be making, be able to chip away at the edifice they've created. So you've got no control over that, but it doesn't prevent you from being able to assess. It's a nice thing to be able to, to, to try and work out what you feel is going wrong in a situation. I think that's what we do as well on the podcast. We try and work out, why the team isn't winning, what are the things, how we would apply, uh, uh, in a sense, where perhaps we're being mini-managers. Oh,
0: we all and, are, aren't we? Isn't that yeah. the fun of I'm, it, though? Yeah. That's, that, that's, that's the
1: fun of that's it. The, that's the point, isn't it? It's how, how we would like to do it, you know? It's yeah. very difficult to become um, accepting in situations where you think, well, you know, he, he didn't run into the channel sufficiently, he didn't make an effort there. If he'd run more, he'd have got to the ball, and there'd have been a goal. You know, we're aware of that, we can see that. Um we're just not capable of of doing it anymore or or perhaps we're never ever capable it doesn't stop us from from being able to observe though does but it? i think I think job.
0: you know actually the weird thing is it, although brian Brian likes to kind of separate one from the other and in fact, I think that's the one thing that that binds us all together no matter which side of that fence or perspective that we come on from it it's a it is all about passion i mean you know Brian and myself and Dean. A passionate and 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 I mean I I don't include you in it J K because you, you you're not you know a big drinker in the pubs and things but we, we derive our passion for it from that in a way but that's no different from the passion that even a lot of the people on on Twitter trying to opine about how much they know about football and the rest of it that comes from a passionate place too and I think there's a place for both actually
1: yeah I I, I don't think the the uh the inspiration needn't be but
0: we're all passionate about football yeah, and absolutely. chelsea we're and it absolutely it really is that simple isn't it but it, it it but it's um it's not just
1: passion it's a it, it's it's a desire to to put it to rights to
0: an extent oh, yeah. you know what one of my favorite bosses and he was a brilliant boss he had the most piercing blue eyes you've ever seen and a scar all the way down his cheek and he, he was from australia and he used to say Chidge? i said yes but well, yes, Swifty. He said, "Chidge, you're the best post-rational- post-rationalizer I've ever fucking met." Because I could post-rationalize myself out of anything. Anyway, uh, I kangaroos co-
1: kangaroo scar his face?
0: I didn't ask. Was it a koala? I didn't ask. mate. I didn't dare. He was brilliant, boss. He was the he was the first boss that he ever said to. He turned around to me once. He said, "Chidge." I said, "Yes, Swifty." Television is fucked, mate. <laughs> <laughs> he was right. Anyway, J.K. Jake Aldridge.
1: Jake Aldridge, hi guys, just finished watching the City game and although City were brilliant, I thought we were really bad again, particularly in the first half, I'm very concerned. After the third goal, I found myself scrolling through Twitter looking for a rant from JK that might make me feel better. Where was he when I needed him? What's bothered me the most during the last few games is the distinct lack of clear-cut chances being created. Actually, I'm a bit worried, Jake, because I haven't ranted much during this, actually, I've just tried to be um, philosophical. Um, um, But never mind. Uh, We seem to go for enormous periods without even working the opposition's goalkeeper. Actually, that was my point as well, wasn't it? Was the ridiculousness of they've got this bloke, what's his name, Streeter. And it's his debut. And did we shoot? Did we put him under pressure? No. So what was that all about? What happened there? Anyway, our go-to thing seems to be to get the ball wide, shove crosses into the box. Yeah. I see very little build-up play or penetration coming from any other areas. Our goals, or lack of them, at the moment, are solely coming from crosses into the box or from corners. I actually think the problem is bigger than we realise. It doesn't seem to matter which midfield or attacking players we go with, as if, JK would, as if as J.K. would say, "It's just not working for me, Chidge." Actually, can I say it again? Yeah. It's just not working for me, Chidge. Yeah. <laughs> Thank you. I'm losing in the. Uh, I'm losing faith in the 4-3-3. It's just not working for me. I'm losing faith in the four three three and wonder if we'd be better off trying out a four four two. Yes, very possibly. Or a, what did we say? Three four um three four two one, we suggested, didn't we? That's
0: the Ted Rogers no, no, three, formation. Four,
1: three four one two, in fact. Anyway, I find it painful watching our midfield receive the ball with their backs to goal. Therefore, I have to pass the ball backwards every time. Yes, fucking hell, that pisses me off. Anyway, there seems to be a gulf of space between our midfield and the attackers. Potentially, we've got three worthy strikers. How would you guys feel about us potentially playing two of them up top at the same time with four in the midfield? Best regards, a very unhappy Jake. Yeah, but I think that's what we we were talking about earlier about that, possibly having one play off the other with Werner. I um, uh, have Werner. Uh, it seemed to work with Werner and Abraham, and perhaps it would work with Werner and Giroud. Uh, when has he played that? He's done that a couple of times. Do you remember Dean when he's played that? Werner and Werner and Giroud has he done that? He he brought, did, he brought them on. Didn't he
2: brought him, him on, Brom, I think, but it ruined yeah. the setup of the right. team. That's right. That's right. Yes, you did. that. I, I don't times.
0: think Giroud and Werner worked oddly. Work they, they, well. they look as though they should because Giroud holds the ball up, plays with his back towards goal. You know, place people in, you would have thought that it would work. Maybe maybe it will in time. I don't know. But it, I don't think it really has so far. But maybe that's down to the fact that Tammy's, uh, that uh, Verna's been in, in poor form. You know, these things take time to work through. But uh, I feel your pain, Jake. I hope you're feeling all right, mate. I uh, hope we've managed to cheer you up somehow. Uh, only if we're a bit more daft than you are. Anyway, um, this is a, well, strap in, people. That's all I'm saying. Right. This is from Shaz. <clears throat> it's a long one. I hope I've got the voice left for it, actually. But uh...
1: well, if you if you start tailing off, Chidge, um, I'll do me uh, best. I'll leave you to it. I'll do me best. I'll do me best, mate. All right. Should I read it all like
0: that? Yeah, actually, you could actually. I think yeah. I
1: might actually. I tell you what, you could do is you could
0: make him a pirate. All right. Give it more. Hi all. Hope you're all doing fantastic. Happy <laughs> 2021. <laughs> Unfortunately, this email is not at all continuing the happy trend
1: could you do it in a different voice do you think what would you like uh, your own
0: i forgotten what my own is like
1: oh yes of course need to.
0: you're bored with it already aren't you and uh, anyway i've listened to this oh, pod- i worried about it going on all the way through it, it wasn't it's a very long, long cool. email it might yeah, do you nothing uh, anyway i've listened to this podcast i have listened to this podcast for the last That's two years up. and have thoroughly enjoyed it so before i lose my mind i'd like to congratulate everyone in it's gone a bit h uh, hmq I'm isn't like the it queen I the queen yeah i'd like to congratulate everyone involved on producing such authentic content every week and i think that required a proper because it's a lovely sentiment and you've been taking the piss wait till you've heard the rest of it as a 28 year old i feel like i may be one of the younger listeners to this pod but i may be wrong i think you are actually Shaz. we've got quite you would be surprised how many youngins we uh strangely attract to this show uh, I've been raised as a Chelsea fanatic and have a family who live and breathe Chelsea. They're all season ticket holders and my mum has been a matchday staff worker for the club for 15 years. I also stewarded, it, stewarded at the home dugout for six years before the second Antonio Conte season. Completely took the fun out of sitting on my arse and watching my beloved Chelsea play such boring football. This leads me on to our present Yes, crisis. Yes, crisis. Lampard is completely out of his depth and I can't stand watching him either sit on the bench with his legs crossed looking completely clueless or when he stands still, arms folded, rolling his eyes, looking like a total idiot. Frankly, he has no clue what he is doing. It doesn't help when you have a sidekick like Jody, an absolute clown off the pitch, um, but on the pitch he has no input and no idea of how to help Frank. It took him long. If you look at him long enough, he looks like he's on a school trip. To be honest, Chelsea looks like to be the only school open during the lockdown. Not anymore, from what Boris tells us tonight. Thanks to TV angles and inside info, I get some very interesting insight as to how Aston Villa operate the touchline. Terry stands all game near the press box with a radio attached to his ear, constantly communicating to the bench. How do you know he's not listening to talk sport? Anyway. With the elevated view, or or uh, BBC Radio Six, or even I can see J, JT being a Radio Four listener. JK, what do you think? Bit of Woman's yes, Hour during the match. Yes,
1: absolutely. Or even Radio Three is listening to a few symphonies.
0: Bit of classic classic FM, even you yep, know. Yeah, yeah. Yep. Uh, anyway, we digress. Uh, with the elevated view he has of how the game is progressing, that's called active management and a and a strategy as to how a less wealthy club tries to one up the opposition. It's another farce that Frank, with all his qualifications, experience and know-how as a player, doesn't understand how to communicate or organise a coaching team. I think it was mentioned last week, but there is not one player or person in the world who doesn't look to the manager bench for some input during the game. He has no clue, and I'm sick of watching his smug face just stand there like a total prat. He then manages to do multiple post-match press conferences, blaming the players for not doing this and that, when he does absolutely nothing different himself. What a hypocrite. How he has the nerve to say such stupid remarks is beyond me. Is he actually that arrogant and blinded by his own status? I completely disagree with the overall view of the Arsenal result last week. It was the worst result for decade. Sorry, Shaz, that is errant fucking horse shit. Uh, you simply cannot compare losing to Bournemouth 4-0 without context on that game or season. <sighs> I... I- well I'm not even going to respond to that on paper some of our past results have looked terrible but the context of that Arsenal game is needed this was the worst Arsenal team in over a century uh, no uh, I remember in the 70s when they damn near got relegated they were awful Terry O'Neill's side Terry Neill's side JK uh, not good when they had Peter Marinello the pawn magnet was that yeah. story story I never remember and their story was The uh, the Clogger. They were rubbish in the 70s, and they were also rubbish in the 60s, funnily enough, in the Doherty era that we're talking about. I think they had a, an attendance of about 4,000 people in Ibury. They were so shit. Yeah, they weren't. Yeah, they weren't, they weren't. They, yes, to say it was the same They were very good in the 30s, though. They were, weren't they? Anyway, so that's not true, Shaz. Sorry, mate. Uh, I think the point, the point I'm, we made last week was that actually... Dropping William or not, not being able to pick William, Louise, and and Gabrielle, I actually did them a favour because they had some youngsters who who love Arsenal, tried their bollocks off, took the instruction, and played damn well. Uh, we were shit, I accept that, but I don't think it was the worst performance in years, and I don't think that's the worst Arsenal side in over a century. Arteta has just beaten you in a final. Arsenal have had the upper hand on us apart from the Europa League final, managed by the same Sarri side that got spanked. By Man City, 6-0. And oh, they hadn't won a match since the beginning of November. You may very well not agree, but the performance, let alone result, was a sackable offence for any other manager we've had recently, and Frank warrants no special treatment. Yeah, but Sarri wasn't sacked when we lost 6-0 to City or 4-0 for Bournemouth, so why should Frank be sacked for losing 3-1 to Arsenal? It just doesn't make sense. Um blah, 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 blah.
1: He should eat his own words. He should
0: eat his own words. Thank you. I will play people based on performances. In that case, he's finished as a Chelsea manager. I backed him all last season. Well, that's so magnanimous of you, Shaz. Even when we had some truly questionable results and performances. In the end, we honestly limped over the Champions League places. But we did. I gave him... That was my words, not Shaz's. i say for emphasis. I gave him the global situation and the lack of the transfer window, the benefit of the doubt... However, you simply can't spend £200 on a mix of top-level prospects and experience and then proceed to capitulate the way we have on and off the pitch. Just look at Frank's win percentage as Chelsea manager. The stats nor the eyes lie. I test lie. Uh, I've just stopped writing as Frank came on for his post-match Man City interview. What an absolute load of rubbish. Frank is very good at waffling perfect English through his interviews, Quite possibly because he's English. Uh, But reading between the lines, he is deluded beyond stupidity. He comes out answering one question for five minutes. A sign of... Note to self, don't staple the script together next week. (laughs) Pressure, and if actually deciphered, he told everyone nothing that we already didn't know. It just sounded articulate, so the press and clueless fans think he knows what he's on about. And of course, no accountability again. I give up with people who want to trust the process. Sorry, that's most of you on this pod, but he has to go. We're getting worse and if you can't see it you're blinded by youth propaganda. Youth propaganda. What does that does that mean? Oh, because the youngsters are playing, yeah? Maybe. I don't know. Do explain, Shaz, in your next diatribe. What's like him. Mm like him on Twitter? I don't know. I don't think they do. They all want him out. Don't get yeah. me started on this Mount Frank affair. Christine should launch an investigation. How is this kid playing every bloody minute every match is beyond me? There's absolutely no defence for this because he's continuously declining every match. He may have talent but with Lampard he will never reach the elite level. Look at Foden. That is what you call progression and management. I think Foden's Five years trying to get in and out of the city side hasn't he? Because Pep only plays him occasionally. That the way to manage youngsters. (sighs) That is what you call progression and management. Not blinding, not not blinding a player with unlimited trust. Fuller's earned every minute he's played. The same can't be said for Mount. Yes, he's played because of his flexibility, but that's not how you become world class. You need to specialise in one thing, not be a jack of all trades. Enough of Lampard regarding the players. I think I relate much more with Jonathan and his brilliant rants. Well, sorry, Shaz. I should have given it to him to read, shouldn't I? Enough is enough with this team constantly playing poorly. Yes, the set-up and approach of crossing and just wishing for a goal is down to Frank, but some of these guys are a disgrace. Werner offers absolutely nothing apart from shooting, and even that is still shocking me every match. Kovac is a total yo-yo player... And it's obvious now why he never played for an elite team in a Champions League final. When he is good, he's great. But oh my, when he's bad, he's absolutely catastrophic. He has no through ball, constantly presses out of position and leaves gaping holes. Then tries to do the riskiest dribble in the worst position, no football IQ. Kante is starting to show his decline and as much as it's sad to see, the reality is that he's really struggling and doing awful things offensively and defensively on the pitch. I think the team suffers from a collective lack of football IQ and know-how. This isn't a school to learn those traits and attributes. This is Chelsea Football Club. Just because Frank has said we need time to gel doesn't mean we drop our standards into a black hole and simply start accepting these constant failures as the new normal. I have a lot more to say going forward, oh, I can't wait. But for now, that is enough. And I may come across harsh, but all I want is is us to actually exceed or even succeed. If only your English was as good as Frank's management. Every week with a clear direction, style of football and execution of philosophy. Right now, all of that is lacking. And it starts and ends with the manager. If by the time the show airs, we haven't sacked Frank, it's time he walks to maintain his dig- dignity and playing legacy. I don't want to start hashtag Arsene Lampard after six months as I'm having flashback to Wenger's arrogance and love for the youth, which drove the club into a huge hole that they are still climbing out of. Sounds like you're an Arsenal fan, Shaz, weirdly. Either he reconsiders management if he can't change just Gary if he can't change just like Gary Neville and goes back to punditry, or he has a break and goes to understand how to build a coaching team capable of progressing a group of players through the tiers. If he was in charge of any other Premier League club right now, I believe he would get relegated. So the championship may be where he needs to assert himself first. Let's remember Derby never got promoted, whether it was the playoff final or not, he could couldn't get over the line. I hope to email again soon in a more pleasant mood. Wow! But for now, my thoughts aren't emotional. Mm, my considered professional opinion would say they are, uh, and more objective for the health and passion I have for this club. Love what you guys and girls do. Keep the blue flag flying high. Best shaz. I need to have a breather after that, uh, Jonathan. Well, it's
1: it's it's good to hear uh, uh, another view, Jig. It's good to hear uh, um um a negative view. I apologise that I haven't been particularly ranty in this one, because... Um,
0: I think you I wrote that in. This is you, really, isn't it, JK? This is not actually Shaz at all. This is made up and written by you, mate.
1: Shaz Kid. Um, uh... Shand Kid. Sh- yeah, Shand Kid. Yeah, yeah. Um, he doesn't like Frank. You could argue uh, an aspect of that, that um, Frank doesn't intrude into the... Uh, um, uh, into the way the game goes. I think it's something that we we have uh, stuck up the flagpole on several occasions. He doesn't change things round quickly enough. He, um, uh, he doesn't do it very often. He doesn't seem to be changing um, the formation very often, which is what top managers do. Um, his relationship with Jody has suffered to an extent. They don't appear to be having any communication. There always used to be that 70 minutes chat before and they work out who to put on. That doesn't happen anymore. Whether he's fallen out with Jody, whether something's happened there. Um, But um, some aspects um, Shaz has got right. Kante is is, uh, not playing as well as he was. Kovacic is indeed a yo-yo player. Um, uh, I don't agree with the Mount uh, attack. I think Mount, um, I think Mount uh, never stops working and he's uh, He's going to become a very top player i just don't think it's it's working for him at the moment in this environment um and as you said perhaps he's completely knackered um but um uh, it's a, it's a, it's an angle chidge isn't it it's a well i'll tell a, you what it's a somebody coming in and saying um i don't think frank's got it you know and that might be that might be that that's a that's a view isn't it
0: well so, I, I, I i i'm i could I could I could be incredibly juvenile and I could just be very rude and acerbic and excoriating and eviscerating to young Shaz. But I'm not going to, actually. Everybody is entitled to an opinion, particularly on this show. We're not a fascist dictatorship, in spite of what everybody says that I am. You're all entitled to a view and you're all entitled to an opinion. I mean, that's what football is all about. And it's just occurred to me, actually, the most salient point in that entire email and i know it was a bit i was a bit pithy during it but i'm entitled to it's my show but the thing that strikes me about that which i think is worth bearing in mind shaz is 28 that means in 2004 he would have been how old jk
2: 2004 16
1: he would have been 12 he'd have been
0: 12 Yeah. so basically for Shaz's entire life, really, I mean, you know, I know kids get taken to football when they're a bit younger, but, you know, a lot of us tend to go when we're about 10, 11, 12. So for Shaz's for entire life, he's seen nothing but unmitigated, unparalleled, phenomenal success at Chelsea Football Club. We've been the best team in this country over that period by a country mile. Um, His experience with Chelsea is worlds apart from yours and mine jk and even from dean's so we can't imagine what it's like to look at chelsea football club through that lens actually at all none of us know what it's like to look through a kid's lens who's just known nothing but success and you know we all a lot of our happiness is predicated on chelsea winning you know i get that we all feel 10 feet taller when they win so, this must be shit for Shaz, and I can i mean you know we're talking about passion at the moment. I can't sit here one minute saying, "Well, we're all passionate, and isn't it great?" And then when somebody's really passionate and basically throwing their shit around the room, criticize him for it, so i'm not I'm not going to criticize Shaz for that. I don't agree with any of it, but I'm not going to criticize him for it. He's absolutely we well, may be a she for all I know, but anyway they're welcome they're welcome to air that, yeah, and I, that would, hmm? be shatter. yeah. But, you know, they're welcome to wear that opinion. I'm more than happy to read it out. And as I said, I think actually a little bit of empathy in terms of what it must be like for a, somebody of that age who's never seen anything but success at Chelsea. It must be...
1: Not, we're not being patronising about no, that. I understand. No. You're just saying it's the truth. I mean it's that.
0: Good. I mean that.
1: Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, It was like, in a sense what I was saying about watching Doherty from age eight. I had no conception of... Well, I knew they weren't very good before, because, but I, it hadn't emotionally affected me. Whereas then... Watching the players uh, after that, watching the team progress under Doherty, made you have great empathy with them and him as a manager, because you just realised that. Uh, well, you, you tended to pay more attention to the players, but you um, you expected that that kind of success, and so the second you get a lack of success, it becomes very difficult to uh, to deal with. Yeah,
0: um, I'm going to leave the final word on this to somebody who is a bit older than 28, but not a lot older. What do you think? What do you think, Dino? <clears throat>
2: yeah, only only just a bit older. Um, you yeah, know what I would say. You know, there's a lot. Did you of... hit
0: the big three zero yet, mate? That's this year. Is it this year? You're still under yeah. thirty. Yeah, you still lucky fucker.
2: <laughs> yeah, there's a lot of bold assumptions, bold claims, um, with nothing to sort of offer an alternative to that. You know, obviously. Shaz knows more about football than Frank Lampard, teaming from the email. You know, maybe he could follow up this email with, you know, what he would do as Chelsea manager and how he would get the best out of the players rather than. I'm
0: going to laugh my cock off if it is, in fact, a she, but there you go.
2: The only point that's made is that John Terry listens to the radio. So maybe Frank could try that against Morecambe, see if that helps the team. Yeah. Look,
0: as I said, fair play. I mean, you know. That was a proper, proper, proper rant. I mean, you know, and I've I've been known to have a rant in the past about millions of things, let alone football, and lose my shit. And you know, that's the privilege, that's the privilege of youth. I would say so. Fair play, Shaz. You're welcome to write in any time, and you you write them, I'll read them. Don't you worry about that. I don't agree. But you're entitled to it. All right, that, I'm and afraid. A good, good, it's been a good polemic moment, though. It's been no, really good. go for it. Why not? Yeah. Why not? Right, that, I'm afraid, is... Uh, oh, what a great way to end it on. You know, bit of a bit of controversy. Yes, we like a bit of that. They're all absolutely up. But, I, I mean, I could have spent the next half an hour reading the comments on uh, Mixler. They're going absolutely apeshit about the email on Mixler. They are not happy... It's all right. You're entitled to. <laughs> I've got to read this out because it's the shortest one. And it is from Daryl, who I love like a brother. Daryl says he's lucky Tony's not still on tonight because Tony disappeared about an hour ago. So, you've <laughs> Absolutely. All right. We've got to go. Right. That is all we've got time for this week. Uh, JK and Mark Meehan uh, and myself, of course, will be back on Friday for the preview show. And we will be joined by Liam Toomey so we can quiz him about the uh the frank rumors uh, and we'll be obviously be looking ahead to the third round fa cup tie against the mighty Morecambe. and uh, myself jk clayton and the aforementioned tony will be back next monday evening to look back at the fa cup tie against Morecambe. uh now of course don't forget to check out dean's went to mo kings meadow podcast on the chelsea football uh, club women's team which is due out tomorrow night dean anything interesting on the show tomorrow
2: we're doing a special on Chelsea Pride with Tracy, who's sort oh, of right. co chair of that, um, just because there's no games that have been played yet. So we're doing a bit of a special on sort of homophobia and the difference is in the women and the men's game. Yeah. So it should be an interesting chat.
0: Yeah, Tracy's a good lass, so uh, uh, that'll be interesting. was true about um, Declan Rice then last night. Don't say that because we don't know if it's true or not.
2: Okay. I don't think so. Shh
0: uh yeah dean as always good luck with that i look forward to receiving it tomorrow and getting it up on air tomorrow night after i've done my chelsea Sports trust board meeting now the fancast as you all know is available as a podcast on dot acast apple soundcloud and spotify as well as all the other podcast distributors talking of which you can also find the chelsea fancast and other chelsea podcasts on the cfc blues app as they tell you here now For
1: Chelsea fans everywhere, this is the ultimate football app for you. For match highlights, interviews and the best Chelsea videos and podcasts, download the free CFC Blues app now from the App Store and Google Play.
0: Now, uh, Patreon. I didn't mention our Patreon people. We've lost a few recently. Surprising few people that we've lost. What have I done? I know I don't do anything. So on the basis that I don't do anything, how could I have done anything wrong? Maybe that's what it was. I don't know. Uh, The other note about Patrick and all of the people that I promised a banner to, um, I can prove it because the boys can see as proof, right? We have banners in jiffy bags waiting to be sent in the post to those that ask them. Am I right, J.K.? Am I right, Dean? Proof? Yes,
1: Hooray!
0: I've also got in bigger jiffy bags uh, the books that were won by Nate Piacentino and Adam Pisani. Adam Pizzani, I think it was Adam. So they will be coming to you very shortly. I've just got to get to the post office. I've put them in the jiffy bags. I just need to make the next final step and get to the post office and then you will be getting them. So there you go. But we do love our patrons. They are absolutely wonderful. They donate money every month, which keeps the costs of running the shows feasible for me. And I do love you for it. Um, very easy. Patreon. Patreon. dot com forward slash Chelsea Fancast. Uh, if you want to help us out, which would be very lovely if you do. Of course, you immediately uh, get invited to our Discord chat group, which is great on a match day. And any other time, really. We have a good bit of banter on that. It's a bit more sensible than Twitter, thankfully. Um, and also, of course, you will get a Kerry Dixon banner. Although... You might have to wait for a while because I've now run out, officially run out, uh, and I'm waiting for a new delivery from Brian Wolfe, who you heard from earlier on. But don't worry, I'll make a note of it and you will get them. So if you want to contribute a little bit every month, join Patreon and uh, you'll get a, a Kerry Dixon banner and uh, and you can join the Discord group. And, you know, you can get in touch with us as well. It's a good way to kind of keep in touch, get stuff right out, all that kind of stuff. Talking of which, as I said, if you want your email, Patreon or Instagram post or tweet read out then let's have it by uh, Sunday. Uh, By the way, we missed a load this week because a load of you have written in since. We will do them on Friday, I promise. Me, Jonathan and Mark will do them on Friday. Uh, The email address is chelseafancast at gmail.com. You can follow the show on Twitter at chelseafancast, me at Stanford Chidge, Jonathan at Jonathan Kidd, K-Y-Double-D, and Dean Mears at Dean Mears, M-E-A-R-S, just like the former Chelsea. Are you related to the Mears family by any chance? No, it
2: wasn't. Just um, share the name.
0: Yeah, I never. I can't believe I've not asked you that before. Anyway, Dean Mears, and uh, don't forget, of course, check out, as I said, the Instagram, Facebook accounts, and Twitter at Chelsea Fancast. Now, well, it's been a bit of a bloody ride tonight, Dean. You've done very well. Both of you have done very well to stay awake. I know you're struggling at the moment, but I can see that you've done very well,
2: Dean. Yeah, the last email gave me a bit of a boost.
0: Yeah, I thought it might. Kind of got the heart, heart racing, the blood pumping. You ready for a fight then? I could tell, Dean. You're the, probably the most peace-loving person I've ever met. So there you go. Uh, talking of peace-loving people, Jonathan's always taking the peace. Man, good to see you, Elb. Been great. It has been. I mean, this is the weird thing, isn't it? We always have a lot of fun whether we win, lose, or draw. Um, and it has been quite a serious show tonight, actually. Yeah. <laughs> to you too, mate. Yeah. 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 No, I've enjoyed it. It's been great fun. Sorry about the technical difficulties, which mean that I've kept you here till nearly ten o'clock. Fuck's sake. We need to go. Great stuff. You people in Mixley, you've been brilliant for hanging out with us for as long as you have. We look forward to seeing you again on Friday. On uh, and until then, until then, thank you for listening. See you next week. Until uh keep it blue, keep it carefully, and keep it chills. Up the chills. up chill. Ah.
2: Fast poddtips. Poddar vi fullkomligt älskar. En flicka
0: som överlever en flygkrasch och hamnar ensam flytandes i den indiska oceanen.
2: En serie mord i nationalpark där en år sju- pojk flera år tidigare kidnappats.
1: Dödliga lekar och våra lyssnare som delar med sig av sina upplevelser av
2: hemsökta platser. Det här är några av fallen som vi i år har med i sommarsäsongen av podcasten Spöktimmen, En podcast om sanna fall av true crime, mysterier och det övernaturliga. Jag heter Linn och jag heter Jenny. Och spökte men sommarsäsong drar igång den
1: 29 juni. Missa inte